I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome everyone to our second 2017 postseason episode of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. And it's the one that I look forward to all year. That's right. It's the 2017 Fantasy Roundtable Review and Interview with Ben Bear from MLS, the Research Bear. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Kyle Beckerman's The Sea Dreads, R.I.P. Uh, no, no. Uh, as always, we're brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the fantastic Reddit subreddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and the fantasy knights who are joining me for this roundtable are Michael Denton, Blaine Riffle, Tim Shaw from Soccer Captains, and our Patreon supporter, Alex Bruni, who also finished in the overall top 10 this season. So, how are you all doing tonight? Thanks for being here. Doing well, doing well, Reed. Hey, thanks for having us on again, man. Yeah, thanks, Reed. Yeah, definitely. Um, excited to have you guys here. I think a lot of you have been really tuned in throughout the entire season. Uh, listeners have heard Mike and Blaine and Tim several times throughout this season, and Alex came on near the end of the season. Uh, and uh, seventh overall, is that where you were, Alex? Yep, finished uh, tied for sixth. I don't know what the tiebreaker was, so I lost it. So it looks like I finished seventh. <laughs> <laughs> well, almost a top five finish, but very strong. So definitely looking forward to hearing what you have to say. For those of you who may be listening for the first time, uh, the title of the show is pretty much what it is. We're going to recap what happened in 2017. Changes, got an interview with Ben Bear to get his feedback on the season at this early point. And then we're going to break it down. Talked about what we liked, what we didn't like, and what we hope happens in 2018. So let's just start this thing off, guys. We'll keep it light, uh, something more current, uh, especially after this big round two of the semifinals. How are your bracket predictions holding out? Uh, let's, let's start with Blaine. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, moving on. To I've, only got, I've only got one remaining team, so yeah. Uh, I'd say poor to quite poor. Uh, yeah, uh, NYC kind of killed me on that one and uh, oh. did not get the West right. So, Well, we got red and blue now, so Mike, Tim, what about you guys? Uh, I have three out of the four semifinalists, but um, not the champion, um, who is the team that I actually cared about making it. So I am just sad. Thanks, Pro, and your stupid red card. <laughs> I actually, uh, I'm perfect right now. I've got all final four. In. Uh, yeah, and I have Columbus against Houston in the finals. And I have Columbus taking it. Hashtag save the crew. Wow. Wow. I'm, I am uh, surprised by that. I, I'm doing uh, okay. I, I have uh, Seattle and Houston. I thought that Houston, well, I had Seattle and Houston in the Western Conference semifinals. I thought Portland would get that one, but I, I think without the injuries, maybe there's a bit better of a chance for Portland, but that definitely hurt them. Uh, I had Atlanta going all the way to the Eastern Conference Championship to go against Toronto, and that didn't quite 
work out at all. But great to see Columbus going that far. So I still have Toronto. No, no. I saw a great image on uh, Twitter today. And it had the fans, New York is red, New York is blue, and someone else came in in the end and said, no, no, New York is out. So, But that was my prediction Why? from the beginning, was that New York What did we do to you, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but uh, that Toronto-New York game, that is something of legend, I think. That's, that's uh, just like we talk about with Star Wars, Mike, the hate filled people and just flowed. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, lots. But of you know things. what? I did get my guarantee right because I think this is the first yeah. podcast we've done. I did you, get the guarantee right that the Columbus Crew was going to beat Atlanta in the first round. That's right, so, our very own Matt Dat Tiger. So Matt Matt Dat Tiger is getting a T-shirt. It's on Extra Time Radio if you listen to it. So I mean, that's probably more than I was going to win anyway from the bracket challenge. So I'm. I tried to call them out because they were talking Sean Johnson up all before that game, and then he has that horrible game. And so I was like, "You guys brought your curse," and and Weeby was like, "Nah, no, nah, it doesn't exist. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know." Uh, yeah, great, great game. So bracket challenge. Uh, it's fun, kind of weird. Let's get back to MLS fantasy, though. I asked this question to Ben Bear, and we'll get to hear his response shortly. Uh, what is your favorite fantasy moment from this year? Uh, what about you, Ken? So for me, it was round two. It was very early on. Wow. Atlanta had looked real sharp um, in in week one against the Red Bulls, and I thought that they got, got a little unlucky coming away with uh, with a loss there. So I had uh, Almiron and Martinez both in my lineup, and I had uh, Darlington Nagme, Diego, Diego Valeri, Sasha Kleschen, Davia. Everybody basically put up at least five points. It was I was ranked in the top 100, and it all went downhill from there for the rest of the season. <laughs> you know, that first full week after the opening weekend challenge, it was great. Uh, Mike. I'm trying to remember what week it was. I think it was the week that Piotti went off. Um, and I was I had the, yeah, it was like early September. I think it was that, that crazy week. But I was in the, like the top 20 or 25 or something like that, which was my best week ever. I think I captained Piotti, which had the 30 points, um, you know, which was the up until Martinez, like two weeks later, which was the highest captain uh, ever. Uh, so yeah, that that was my fantasy moment. It was nice being, you know, really up there in the round score, and you know, being a move or two away from actually uh, taking the weekly prize. But yeah, that that was my favorite. Blaine, he's I think he's working with Lily right now. Uh, Alex, let's jump to you. Uh, yeah, probably uh, round week twenty four. I had the uh, number two overall score for the week. That's probably my uh, my highest finish in a single week. Um, and yeah, other than that, it was uh, my second year playing and you know, pretty lucky. Finished second last year, seventh this year. So back-to-back top 10 finishes. I'm pretty proud about that. Yeah. And Blaine. You back with us yet, Blaine? Uh, he's still working with Lily. I'll go ahead and jump to mine real quick then. Uh, kind of stealing my thunder there, Alex, because uh, I was going to be like, yeah, I, I got uh, 38th as a round rank. But no, no, two. That's pretty darn good. <laughs> uh, but no, no, my uh, – my actual one was round 25 because that was the first time that I cracked the 200 point mark, and so that was that was just a really great feeling to experience that um, with everyone else who did as well. But that was that was my first 200 point finish with our new system, so that was a lot of fun. And then there were several times I felt like this year 
I was able to just nail when Will Bruin was going to go off. And I was like, people need to be looking at Will Bruin. Unfortunately, I never took my own advice. But uh, <laughs> the few times I was like, hey, Will Bruin, he did really well. So there was that. And I think my frequent mentions of Will Bruin contributed to someone on Twitter being like, you're a Sounders fan, aren't you? But no, I just needed to listen to a game, and the radio was the only thing that was available. Uh, Blaine, what about you? Uh, the invention of the Madranda. <laughs> ah, yes. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's got to be my favorite moment of the season. Oh man, it does. It does. Uh, what about disappointments, guys? Let's let's do. Uh, let's start with you, Blaine. Um, I had a couple of weeks where I was toying with some last-minute moves. Uh, Luis Gill for. Uh, no, not Luis Gil. Whoa, Luis Silva for RSL and and then what? Who was it? Uh, Kevin Doyle for Colorado. I was toying with putting them in my lineup at the last minute and opted against it, and they went off every time. I think Doyle had two goals, like a 19 point game that one week, and I was like, oh, I should put him in here, and I was like, no, that's a stupid idea, and came back to bite me a couple times. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Uh, it'd have to be the last week of the year. I um, I was toying between starting all Seattle backline or going differential. I think I ended up going Dallas, and uh, I just stuck with Seattle. I think I'm going to finish second, and uh, fell to seventh by trying to go differential and finish first. But still think it was worth it because in the end, everyone pretty much went Seattle, so uh, I wouldn't have been able to win. So go for number one. Um, mine was when I got stuck at a wedding without cell phone reception and um, couldn't switch in Nick Lima. And he got, I know he got at least a goal and maybe a clean sheet too. And I was just like looking at him on my bench, like so close but yet so far. <laughs> yeah. That, that's my biggest burn of the, of the year. Tim. I too was stuck with the, and I've told this story in the podcast a few times now, but you know, every time I just relive it and it hurts. Um, I too was stuck without cell reception on a hike on vacation. And this was round 25 when there were 17 games played and so many double game weeks and so many great matchups. And I think the average score was only 88, but that was the round that everybody was pumping out 200s, 210, 220. <laughs> And I had a fat 65 well in the 20,000 range, basically just like right above the people that stopped playing in the first month of the season. So that was really unfortunate. And that's why in the future I'm going to make some changes going into the round, you know, some initial changes and not wait for the last hour like I did this time and and really uh, get myself killed there. (laughs) Well, I've got. But it was more than 44, Tim. It was more than 44. Ooh, that's right. That's right. I've got two again. The first one is is kind of corny, um, but uh, I'll start with the real one, actually. I'll go, go with the real one. My my biggest disappointment for me was in the mid and in, in the, the early 20s, the rounds in the 20s, so 21, 22, 23, I just hit this slump where I just wasn't getting the picks right, or I was getting I just getting the wrong guy, and it, or getting my captain wrong, and so I just had these three consecutive rounds of sub 100 scores, and it kind of hurt my my overall pretty bad there, and I had to claw my way back up. So that was probably my my fantasy low. Um, and then my my more funny one is anytime I relied on San Jose in my back line, and uh, I got all excited until like the 93rd minute of a game, and they'd allow one. 
that was that was always uh, heartbreaking. I'd have to say. Uh, no, overall, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I think there were a lot of great changes, and so it was. It's I was struggling to find a, a disappointment because I, I had a lot of, of good times. Uh, still, no captain with a, a hat trick, so maybe that should actually be my most disappointing moment overall. Well, let's just, I know everyone who is listening today really wants to hear what Ben Bear had to say. So for the past two years, we've been really fortunate to have the opportunity to interview Ben just to get his reactions to the fantasy season. This year's no different. So big, big applause right now. Thanks so much, Ben, uh, for what you do to help reach out to everyone through our show and throughout the whole season. Um, he joined me and Mike a few days ago, and we got to share some thoughts with him about the 2017 season. He shared his thoughts with us, some previews of changes. Uh, we do this ahead of time because he's pretty busy right now with the, the cup going on. And so this was just best for his schedule. So um, before we go any further with our thoughts on 2017 and expectations and hopes for 2018, uh, let's hear what Ben had to say. Hey, Ben, thanks a lot for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, I know that it's a busy time for you living the life as the king of takes and the master of the barren tea. Um, but we're happy to have you to talk about some of the 2017 fantasy season, and we'll just jump right into it, if that's okay with you. Sounds good to me. All right, well, we're going to start things off light, work our way into it. Uh, so first, what is your favorite fantasy moment and biggest disappointment from this season? I was going back, I was trying to, after we talked earlier this week, I was trying to think about what my favorite fantasy moment is. Those are always tough to me. You always remember the bad beats. Uh, <laughs> I I do remember a few weeks ago, you know, we were when Atlanta was playing all those games, we had all those double game weeks. One of the first ones, uh, Joseph Martinez, we didn't know if he was going to play, and I ended up captaining him. A lot of people captained Almiron. That was the the week he had what? How many points did he have that week? Whatever, yeah, whatever did, that crazy yeah. week was. So I, 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 I captured him that week. That was a success. There was one earlier this season uh, where Justin Miriam, I think, had a double game week. And he went mm -hmm. off for like three or four goals mm -hmm. that week. And not many yep. people captained him. Uh, so those are my two favorites. Obviously, disappointments. Like, I mean, I'm losing. I lose in the semifinals. That's just my thing. Uh, <laughs> And in, in, in this league, with you guys, in, my, in the MLS Digital League, that's what happens. I mean, that's just my, that's my life story right now. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you play with some of the best players, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, well, in the, I mean, obviously, I expect it in the league with you guys. You guys are, you guys are the best. In my other league, uh, just, I mean, I'm in a million leagues, but in the, <laughs> every, just, I just can't, I can't take on the crown. I know. Well, well, at least you still have Weeby you can play against every now and then. Yeah, that's always fun. So, <laughs> again, I mean, we, so we had that thing earlier this season where Mike was trying to get me to tell him to set his lineup while I was playing him. Well, I, I <laughs> I'll just take the win. Take the win and go that's home. Right, exactly, yeah. He could set his lineup when well, Mike's playing. That's the exactly. Well, no, my challenge was, like, for you to beat him by 100 points. Like, that was that was the challenge. Yeah, you but know. Then, yeah, but I mean, I had to give him, like, some sort of reasonable handicap. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, okay, we'll go on to the next question. Uh, some people on Reddit and Twitter, Twitter talked about this one several times. So uh, we know that uh, fantasy is still growing for, for MLS, and people were curious as to what the numbers were looking like this year. Uh, what I could say is that we did see a slight increase uh, this year in terms of total users. 
I didn't. I, I haven't really dug into all the other metrics that we really get into. That's more kind of off-season work that we do. Uh, but yeah, there was a slight increase with our number of users this year. Awesome. Sweet. Uh, well, we had a lot of um, game changes, you know, in rules, unlimited transfers, and um, defensive bonus points. Uh, ben, which was your favorite uh, after seeing the year play out? I mean, uh, I mean, I came up with it, so I'm going to say the limited transfer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know a lot of people and I know a lot of the, you know, the longtime players didn't like, didn't like the move. And I respect that. And I respect why people didn't like it. But I, I, I think what it gave us is kind of a fresh, fresh start each week and a fresh, I saw, I mean, I know a lot of people that I play with, uh, they would after three weeks and they're not like setting their lineup and they're not thinking ahead to four weeks from now, five weeks from now that they would just give up. And that's not something that I saw this year. I saw see people didn't play for two or three weeks. They'll come back. They'll get somebody who will talk some stuff to them, and then they'll come back and try and beat them. And they, and they could do that because of unlimited transfers. Uh, and I, I just I, I think it's a fresh look. I think one of the main concerns is that everybody would have the same team. I didn't really – I don't think we really saw that that much. I think we yeah, saw great. maybe what we, usually see, what we usually see, but nothing – out of the ordinary in terms of that. So, I mean, I I thought it was a good move. I mean, I know you guys might have some different opinions on it, but that, that was my favorite change for this year. So so do you think we'll see it again in 2018? I would I would bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 that works. Um, you know, one of the other new things that we had this year was the, the opening weekend challenge. Um, we talked a lot, a lot on, about that the last time he came on. Uh, did that accomplish with what you were hoping for as far as like participation, publicity, uh, et cetera? Because um, I know we had that one hiccup with the head-to-head leagues um, with that opening weekend challenge. Yeah, that, that, was, that was definitely something that we need to rectify. Uh, and it was definitely a mistake on our part in terms of the head-to-head leagues. I think generally it did, it did accomplish what we wanted, what we set it out to do. Uh, we did have a lot of more buzz the second week of the season. Still getting we're, we're still getting signups. We're still getting people involved. We can still tell people you're not done. You, you can win a trip to the All Star, and all that. Uh, and I think it kind of I think it did accomplish that. I would. We kind of threw that together. Uh, we didn't have a long term like a long time to plan that. And I think we'll, that's something that we will definitely be looking at going into next season. I don't know if it's going to come back or not. Uh, we haven't gotten that deep into our 2018 plan yet, mm-hmm. but uh, I think I think I, I did like it personally. Well, you've already covered uh, how the unlimited transfers had, had impacted in, in the goal, and I think that is the the biggest change that we've had. And and I agree with you. I I thought it added a nice fresh take. Uh, on a related note, Mike and I have talked about this before. The budget seemed to grow a lot with unlimited transfers, and so by the end of the season. Players had close close to that $120 million budget, which is what we started with in 2016. Uh, is that okay? Do you, do you think the price system needs another look, or, or how did, did that budget growth surprise you? I don't think it surprised me. Uh, is it okay or not? I would say it's probably fine to me. I, I don't really see a huge problem with it. I mean, to, it, it, rewards, it does reward the players who are paying attention the most, which is – Something that maybe was lost when we went away from two transfers a week. If you are, if you are 
you know, in tune with the game you're playing every week, you're going to have an advantage anyways because you're going to be seeing your budget grow. Uh, pricing and budget, that's all stuff we we kind of look at at the end of the season and how it works, how, how it works and any changes you can make. And, you know, it's something we'll still be looking at going into 2018. Great. Well, um, you know, one of the frequent requests, I'm sure you get it all the time and we've got it all the time, is about draft, especially now that the Premier League has introduced um, a draft system into the main fantasy game for them. Um, are you playing around with the FBL uh, draft system? And is that something you're hoping MLS offers in the future? Uh, I'm not playing around with the FPL. I think uh, I made my thoughts pretty clear about the EPL. Uh, <laughs> so, no, I'm not playing FPL. I have played, you know, there are those other sites that do run MLS fantasy draft games. We actually, we didn't have one this year in house that we just kept on a spreadsheet. We, we, we'd done that in years past uh, with just draft games. Uh, draft is always something that we look at. We, we try and see if we can take, if we can utilize it with us and, you know, it's, I wouldn't. I don't think we're going to see it in 2018, uh, but it's something we're always looking at. We're always trying to figure out how we can get it get it going in MLS. Well, of course, draft is huge with NFL, and that's been a big fantasy. Has been a big marketing with them for several years now. Where do you see fantasy fitting into the overall "quote unquote" hype strategy uh, for MLS, and what can fantasy players and fans do to help promote both the league and the fantasy game? I mean, I've, I've said this on this show. I think before multiple times, I think, you know, fantasy and obviously gambling were the two things that really, I think, took NFL from being where they were 30, 40 years ago to where they are now. Uh, and that's something that MLS fans should be thinking about. I mean, that's going to help the league grow. I think fantasy, what it does is it turns a, a person who maybe watches two or three games a week, watches their own team, goes to their own team games, and it turns them into, oh, I know every single player on every single team. And it turns them into a super MLS fan like all you guys are. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's something we need. We need more people like you. We, we, we need more people out there trying to get MLS into more people's heads, get MLS into more people's, you know, every day, what they're thinking about. Uh, in terms of what you guys can do i mean just yeah just keep on i mean preaching the gospel uh i would say you know maybe push you know push clubs to promote it more yes you know what push espn push 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 hit up like mls personalities like alexi lalas or taylor Truman, people like that to push it and then get them talking about it and that's how you get more and more people who do follow mls to pay more attention to fantasy. I think that's what 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 the path forward. That's really short term. Obviously long term there's tons of other things we could be talking about, but uh, I think you know yeah, just 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 keep just I mean doing what keep on doing what you guys do every day. And you know, it, it it'll continue to grow. Preach it, brother Ben, preach it. <laughs> ben, when I heard that all I heard was keep harassing Weeby to make transfers. <laughs> Weeby's not a personality. He's just the guy. <laughs> <laughs> just thrown in front of a camera, take some shots, whatever. Exactly. Oh. Well, uh, I know you know you're just getting started to to look in 2018, and you haven't started the the big dig. 
um, in, into the data to make decisions for 2018. But there are there any plans for adjustments and changes for 2018 that you can? Uh, what I will say is, is there any I think I'm losing you guys for a second. But... No, yeah, I, I stopped. <laughs> oh, you stopped? Okay. Yeah. Uh, what I will say is that you can expect a similar game, a very similar game to what we've played in the past with dramatic uh, improvements in terms of user experience uh, mm -hmm. is something that you will see in 2018. Uh, there will be other tweaks to the game that I'm sure people will be happy or sad about, as always. Uh, but I think what, what I'm really excited about, we actually had a meeting about this today. What I'm really excited about is how the game is going to look how you guys are how you guys are going to be able to use the game and i mean it just the overall experience of MLS fantasy is going to be great. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. Very excited. There is so much to discuss about that what that could be. I look forward to <laughs> hearing those conversations over the coming months. Uh-huh. Now I got months to daydream. <laughs> <laughs> Torture yourself, Mike. That's what you're going to do. Hey, but we're, Look, looking at, we're looking at what? Probably February. February. So you have what? Yeah. Three, yeah. Four, plenty of time. Three months. Three months. Only three months. Reed, if I want to torture myself for just watching New York City in the playoffs, that's all. Oh, oh, <laughs> dude. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so it's so sad. It's so sad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun game. It was. It was. I mean, at least we had at least we had a uh, one over the past few weeks. <laughs> it's huge. I said on Twitter today with someone, uh, it was one that it's going to be an uphill battle, but it could still happen. It's it's aggregate, so you never know. You never know. Uh, well, we're going to wrap some things up. I know you got to get back. Um, a fun one. A fun one. A guarantee. Of course, with you here, we have to get one. Who wins the MLS Digital Head-to-Head -head League in 2018? Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, if I get if, once the playoffs start next year, I'm gonna start. You know, somebody might lose their computers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll see. That could be that could be great. A great little segment on ETR of of uh, where's computer with Weeby. Be... You know, mate. You know, Alexi Lawless <laughs> likes to talk about the dark arts. Like, I think we need to have like fantasy dark arts for Ben to use in his MLS digital head to head. I could, I could <laughs> see Simon doing some of that stuff, casting some voodoo on people. Oh, absolutely. That that could. That Simon's going to do the voodoo, not the New Orleans guy. That's not okay. Reed. Yeah, well, you can help, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I just thought of it. Um, this was the first year Doyle had his octagon league. Did, did he enjoy fantasy, or did he just abandon it too? Did he let his cats do it? No, he uh, he enjoyed it. I think uh, it was the first year he really got involved. He's uh, thrown some shots in the past, uh, but I think he enjoyed it. I think we'll we'll see him again in 2018. That's good. We'll have to uh, broaden our harassment to him as well, and and yes, give Weeby a break every now and then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think Mike and I talked about one more surprise question for you. We do chat Star Wars every now and then on this show, so we have to ask you, uh, in your opinion, who shot first. Hmm. I mean, it's it's the age old question, isn't it? It it really yeah. is, but I mean, there's only one correct answer in my opinion. There's only one. Okay, I think Han shot first, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, it, it, it's it, an older it, answer, but it checks out. It does. I mean, we think so. <laughs> Wait, is, is that is, is that official? Is that uh is, is that the is that the official line from uh Lucas? 
I think that, but we don't know if we can trust him a whole lot anymore since it just kind of goes back and forth as to whoever's pocketbook's bigger, I think, at the time. But, um, fair, well, there was fair. a book that Disney put out like recently where they sort of hint, like, yeah, Han shot first because yeah. we're not <laughs> losers. It's revisionist history. Han's, Han's a way more shady guy than, uh, than Greedo, so that's right. That's right. I, I maintain that as well. Yes, great. Exactly. Well, Thanks a lot, Ben. It's been great having you on. Uh, we look forward to chatting again in 2018 and finding out what all these little tidbits are that you've handed out to us. Sounds good to me, guys. Can't wait. Great. Thanks a lot. So, yeah, that was the interview. Uh, Mike, I know that was the first time you participated in that, but I, I, I know we can't get a whole lot, but I, I still thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of surprises other than, I mean, I think the, the biggest news that came out of the interview was the news about the improved user interface. Uh, obviously, it's hard to tell um, <clears throat> without seeing anything what it's going to be like, but I know we've all kind of had like small complaints, even though it's never gotten like a big topic thread on Reddit, at least not recently. Um, but yeah, it could definitely use uh, a lot of improvement. Um and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Easy use, I think, is, you know, something that could definitely improve the experience for casual players and may, may encourage them to be more active. Yeah, that's that's a great little tidbit. And I do, this is the first of those conversations that are going to be coming for the next several months that I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys all have to say about what you think uh, improved user experience could potentially be. Uh, the other big takeaway I, I, I took from that, and, and Ben says this all the time, when he talks about what we as fans can do, and, and I asked that question specifically, because I think it's good for us to hear that and, and get encouragement. I, I know Matt Doyle had a call to action for how to improve US soccer. Well, I, I kind of took that as a call to action from Ben for, for how to improve fantasy or how to help grow interest with talking to clubs, which I love. I so wish more clubs did more with fantasy and even a small way at their stadiums. Um, and even reaching out to Twelman and Lawless or other people, other personalities like that on on Twitter, we should we should let's make that our goal for next season, guys. And uh, every week, just start peppering Twelman and Lawless at least with uh, just fantasy related things, and see if we get maybe even some sort of sarcastic response to it. <laughs> I'm in. There we go. We're gonna do that. Hashtag Beard for Petke. Um, <laughs> No, that's that that that's already started. I've I've seen that on Twitter all all the time now. We've tried. Uh, so yeah, it was it was great. I hope everyone enjoyed that interview. But now, guys, I want to know what you thought of 2017. Going to give a quick recap of what we're going to be talking about here. Not as much as uh, last time, but uh, the big one: unlimited transfers. We had a switch back to a 100 million dollar budget with a 15 man roster. Clean sheet points got a bump for goalkeepers and defenders. And then, of course, as Mike mentioned, we had the opening weekend challenge for the first time this year. So um, we're going to talk. I've got an order we'll go through. I'd like to know what you enjoyed, what you didn't like, uh, some opinions on, on what you think might need to change or what you hope might need to change. And we'll get into some big uh, we'll get into some Reddit questions after that or just how they go in there. So, Alex, let's just start with you. 2017. Yeah, so I didn't mind unlimited transfers. Um, I think I probably preferred the two transfers just because it brought a little more strategy. You had to think forward about buys and double game weeks. But at the same time, it was nice not having to do that. Um, 
So I think it's easier for everyone. It's an easier game if you have unlimited transfers. So I think it's probably best for the, the overall game. Uh, I like going to a 15-man roster. Uh, the budget was fine. I know we'll probably get into the issues with you know, the price rises with unlimited transfers. Um, but I thought that at, towards the end of the year, I could pretty much afford whoever I wanted, um, which probably isn't optimal. Um, really like the clean sheet bump. Wouldn't mind if we bumped it up even more um, to encourage people spending up on defenders. I know um, at the end of the year with Yotun, people finally started spending up a little bit, probably because they had some more money. But um, I wouldn't mind bumping it up to, what was it? It went to five. Wouldn't mind bumping it up to six. Um, and I thought the opening weekend challenge was really good. I know a lot of people just kind of forget at week one, and then by the time week one happens, like, oh, you know, I'm late. I'm never going to catch up. So. I think we should keep that for next year, and you know, it lets people get that one week buffer to uh, to forget to uh, sign up, and then they can you know jump right in with the rest of us. So you mentioned strategy, and I've and I've heard this mentioned a lot. I've seen it a lot on on Twitter. I've seen it mostly on, on Reddit. People talking about this. Do you not feel that? Let me start over. Obviously, there is strategy when you get two transfers per week, have to think long-term about how you're going to maneuver through all these double game weeks and buy rounds and potential injuries going to mess you up. I get, I get that, how that strategy is there not any kind of strategy in analyzing each game to decide who you think has the best matchup, who you think has the potential to generate the most points based on how points are earned and to try to figure that out each round. Um, Maybe strategy is the wrong word, but there still there still seems to be an element of skill involved in that that I don't think just makes it a bland, easy game. Anybody? Yeah, I'll jump in here. Um, Two years ago, I really felt railroaded into a lot of my picks. At times, you see these cheap defenders that have a really favorable schedule, or you see a team with a bunch of home games in a row. You really felt the pressure to take one of those players. And I saw a lot of uh, top level managers taking the same players for to fill those positions. And it, cu- it really did cut down on the variance because New York's playing four home games in a row and their defense is solid. So you've got to take at least two or three of those defenders and grab maybe one other field player and use your couple transfers later on to, to switch away from them. It just, this year there was a whole lot of variance, and I was afraid that I was going to see a lot of people taking the same players. And we saw that to a degree, but there were so there were so many changes, so much variance in those top rosters week to week just because you could change everybody out and you didn't have to worry about grabbing and holding on to a few select players who are going to consistently perform well because they've got the right fixtures coming up. Go ahead and give you a chance to respond, Alex, since it was your comment. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely think there's strategy involved week to week. Um, you're definitely right, Reed. I think what I kind of liked was looking at, all right, I know I'm going to keep this guy for five, six weeks, and he's got like a, a good schedule. He's in good form. And the other thing I kind of liked was that it encouraged me to take a, you know those high-floor Ozzy Alonzo types, Dax yeah. types. Because you know now you, you're going – I think Mike had mentioned this in some – older podcasts, but you're just going for high ceiling guys because over the long run, you'll hit enough of those high ceiling guys and you'll score more points. Here it was a little more strategy. It's like, all right, I know Ozzy Alonso's got a couple home games coming up. He gets at least like six or seven points every home game. He's safe. I'll keep him in my lineup. Where this year, I really didn't use him at all unless it was a double game week and there weren't really any better options. So I think it just brought 
other players into it that you really wouldn't use on a week-to-week kind of basis. Um, so that's kind of my thinking. But I get what you guys are all saying with the unlimited transfers. It, you know, it, it's probably a better system, but that's my, that's my only point for the two transfers. Oh, sure. No, and I, and I get it. And it's taken me all season to really kind of mold that over and think about it because uh, I, I get it and I, and I do understand. But I think what I just have decided I disagree with completely is that the game is easy this way. I mean, sure, it's easier because you don't you only, you only have two tra- you only had two transfers, but I still think that there is enough variance that could happen and just unpredictability. I mean, because MLS, I mean, we know <laughs> we know these things uh, from experience right now with this cup tournament that, that I think there is still challenge to this game and it and uh, it's just in a different a different form. Yeah, I mean, the game is still, you know, you have to strategize to figure out who the best players. It's just with unlimited transfers, you have less things to consider in making that choice. You know, you're only focused on this week's matchups, whereas with limited transfers, you have to look at a schedule, you have to consider double game weeks, you know, upcoming home fixtures, and and stuff like that. So it's a different calculation that goes into it. So I think it's a different strategy is in coming up with um, who the best players are, but I mean, at the end of the day, there's still the strategy of, you know, who's going to be a differential, who is everyone generally going to go towards? Do I want to go with the crowd? Do I want to take the the opposite road? Is there someone in here that people are overlooking for whatever reason? You know, just the factors that go into determining that change based on the unlimited transfers. And I, I like that you brought up demons like Alonzo and Dax because I want to bring that up when we start talking about improvements. <laughs> later on um anything <clears throat> else out before we move on to tim nope, reactions all good. to the changes hmm? that's no, all good all right good. tim uh reactions to the changes yeah i too was a fan of the unlimited transfers um ultimately i think it's kind of important to bring in the casual fans and if you're only going to have two transfers a week you're really going to be limiting the amount of exposure that somebody will get to other players across the league, especially those that kind of just follow their one team and aren't really familiar with any other team. So I think it's a good thing that people are able to completely overhaul their entire roster and expose expose themselves to names that they wouldn't have normally considered in years past. Plus the MLS schedule is um, a little haphazard at times to say the least in terms of how many matches we see midweek and on Thursdays and Tuesdays and oh there's only three people or three teams playing this round twice or I, I don't know it's just i think if there was a little more regularity i could see you know having the the two transfer system be a little more successful but because there's so much variance in the schedules i think it's just better to kind of just have as many transfers as you want and you know get a chance to tinker and play around with a little bit instead of just agonizing over the same three names the entire week leading up to the the first match of the the round. Um, what I, uh, what I also liked this season was there was a little more, um, I guess, you know, anytime you can add bonus points and increase scores, it's a good thing for the game. It feels great coming into a game and saying, Oh, I scored. 120 points this round. You know, you talk about the other game that's going on right now overseas, and 
you you had 40 points and it's green hours across the board. I kind of like the fact that we're able to score a ton of points. So, you know, get if you could double the points again, why not? I would love to score 200 points every round. Make me feel great, guys. So I mean, we can make each goal worth um, six points. Yeah. Ten. Why not? You know, just it'd be awesome. <laughs> so, you know, it's, that's like a fun little thing that you don't really think about. But, yeah, it does. It does make people happy to see their teams doing well. So, you know, I think uh, if we're going to be trying to really expand the audience here, that's one good way of going about it. Yeah, and I, I like what Ben mentioned with the casual fans, because I, I think it's more than just. Uh, hey, I don't know what this is. Let me give it a shot and find out. I mean, that happens. That's I used fantasy to get to know the league whenever I first started following MLS several years ago. But yep. uh, I don't think we can forget the hardcore fans. Like, I mean, um, the people he knows or, or even Tim sometimes when you're traveling or Simon when he was traveling, just your schedules and life comes in the way and you can't make a transfer. So to come back to your team and it's been – three weeks maybe because life just got in your way and you still have your, I guess at this point it'd be three transfers and everything's half your team's injured and their other half's on a buy. And you've already used your wild card or whatever. Uh, I, I think it's more forgiving to people who start and stop just dealing with life. And uh, I think the head to head schedule enhances that a little bit harder if you're playing for overall, but I think at least in the head to head environment, that's what gets it because, I mean, I can see what Ben was saying when it's like, like if we were playing with Weeby and giving him a hard time and he was like, well, these guys, I'm going to come in and just smoke them this week. I mean, that's, <laughs> I think that's the great part of unlimited transfers because it makes that personal element with the game better in my yeah. opinion. And I mean, I guess you could, the, the biggest counter to this is people say, well, just give them more transfers, give them more. Where do we stop? Is it, is it four? Is it six? If we're going to let you swap out a third to half of your team every round, why not just give unlimited transfers? Right. And ultimately, you know, I think that, I mean, the team, the league did have a partnership with DraftKings a couple seasons ago, and I don't know where that went, but there is a certain appeal to that style of play where you could just kind of wash your hands from a bad week and just kind of start over. And that's something that I really enjoyed this this season compared to seasons past where if let's say you had a pretty rough go of it your first uh, your first couple of weeks and you really want to overhaul that team, you're basically sacrificing your whole season in order to do so, you know. Get a little more emphasis on the head to head game. I mean, we we like smack talking in the uh, in the MLS FI host league, you know, that's always a good time and being able to go over the the scores from each week, you know, that's always, that's that's fun. So why not, you know, enhance the head-to-head -head experience as well? Yeah, I think that'd be great. Blaine, what about you? Yeah, I really did enjoy this season. I was one of those guys a few years ago that was a burnout because of the two-transfer system. So I really did enjoy the Unlimited. Um, play in a couple of more casual leagues as well and have a lot of fun with them. And there were players in there that just missed weeks consistently but they they really loved coming back to it so i could i definitely enjoyed playing with them more that they were involved and even though they missed a couple of weeks they come back in looking to knock off one of the top guys in the head-to-head -head league when they got the chance um really the point system was great this year i didn't have i don't think i had any complaints at all really about the whole se the season as a whole and any of the changes i thought the whole thing ran really smooth uh, the one thing I think I did miss was not game related, but it was the weekly prizes. 
just, I think, last year, the 2016 season, they gave a $25 gift card for the top score every round. And I would love to see something like that come back because that was just that one other incentive to play every week. Or even if you missed a week and you weren't going to make it in the overall standings, you weren't playing head-to-head, you still had a chance to win a, win a gift card for MLS for the MLS shop. Just a huge, huge incentive just to come in when you can and try to knock off everybody else and just take something home with you and stay stay connected whatever week you're playing. We we did that this year. Yeah, it, it was there, but it wasn't emphasized it was as much as years past. Oh, I completely missed it because I didn't hear anything about it. Well, Blaine doesn't read my articles. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah, we still had the $25 gift card. Uh, we still had the, the private league prizes. And, of course, each of the club leagues gave out their prizes as well. Uh, and then first through 10th place got a prize. So, I mean, Alex right here is going to be enjoying him a $200 gift card at some point. So, Ooh. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I saw you mention that before, Blaine. And I, <laughs> do you feel that a twenty-five dollar gift card is enough of a prize to build that interest? I mean, it's not my money. I'd say you could give away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd say you could give away fifty and twenty-fives every week to the top three, or even go a hundred and then four twenty-fives to the top five. How about some Tam and Gam? I mean, just. <laughs> there we go that's what it is you you select your favorite team and how you perform in fantasy literally affects how much tamagam your team gets that's that's the incentive that we all have uh it's hey, with I, the, with, I, go ahead i was gonna say with the la guy winning the league this year i mean that might have helped their team out quite a bit hey, la got something <laughs> la got a fantasy championship i think it's like a chicken and egg situation honestly um yeah, I think if we were back in the old days where top 500 got a prize and it was top 50 got got scarves and 20 top 25 got got jerseys, if we could do things like that every week, yeah, maybe it's just 33 rounds, but it adds up. There, there's a budget that people are still working with. This isn't MLS. This is this is the advertising arm. So there's there's different budgets, and if we had bigger sponsors, that gives you some more money to play with but you need more people to get the sponsors so it's this this cycle that um we have to try to balance so i i would hope that if we can grow the game uh we could go back to some some different prizes and maybe up that that dollar amount some so who so who knows who knows but um, i think a a perfect lineup challenge could actually have a lot of merit too you know because it's so tough to do but if someone actually hits it i mean the league could potentially pay out a nice chunk of money if someone hits the perfect lineup. You know, if they get insurance on it, they won't pay it out. Some insurance company will, but you know, that, that could be a good time. You, your lineup is the dream team? Is that what you're going for? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get the dream team. You go to MLS Cup. There we go. That's, That'd be awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. what it would be. That's interesting. Interesting. Uh, what about you, Mike? Oh, well, you know, I, I started out – um, being very skeptical of unlimited transfers, I really enjoyed the scheduling aspect. And I found towards the end of the summer, I didn't miss it at all. Um, what I really liked about unlimited transfers was the fact that every Monday morning, I could go into work, grab a cup of coffee, sit down on my computer, and open up MLSsoccer.com and make transfers. It got into a routine for me. It felt very normal. It's felt weird the past few weeks not walking in and making those transfers. <laughs> 
Um, but, you know, for me, it really worked out well because I didn't have feel the pressure of, okay, I have to be there in that hour before lineups lock, you know, and I know we're about to talk about, you know, when lock, lineups should lock uh, in a little bit, but I don't have to wait until the end. I don't have to, you know, be as concerned. Oh gosh, is this guy injured? Do I need to transfer him out now? Do I wait about it? You know, I could play around with it. You know, as injury news rolled in during the weeks, I could make tink, uh, you know, tinkering and, you know, as articles came out, I can kind of play and I could be active with it the whole week until the deadline. Um, and to me, that was a lot more fun than the scheduling aspect that was present with the limited transfers. Um, so I really enjoy the unlimited transfers. Um, I, I don't think it's going to go away, especially with LAFC uh, coming in next year without a partner. So every week next week, you're going to have either a buy or a double game week because there's an uneven number of teams. So I would much rather manage that with an unlimited transfer system than everything else. So I think it worked out well. Now, there were some side effects. Uh, I think the budget did rise a lot. Um like Alex said, you could pretty much afford everyone. You know, the only times towards the end of the season that I felt like the budget was an issue at all was if it was a week where I wanted Giovinco and Ladero. Um, now, part of that is because, you know, Giovinco and Ladero going into it were like, okay, you know, MLS really put the big price tag on. That's going to hurt us. You know, that's going to hurt budget wise. And then for huge chunks of the season, they were fantasy disappointments. Uh, I mean, Ladero kind of came on towards the end, but for the most part, you wanted other players on your team uh, other than them. Um, I, I think that's probably going to get into some of the, the tinkering and price changes and stuff later. But I, I did think that was um, an issue that, you know, I mean, it's not like a crippling. It didn't make me not enjoy the game, but it's something to look at in, in the future. I thought the clean cheat bump was great. I thought it made goalkeepers and defenders uh, very viable. You saw that all across. Um, I thought the opening weekend challenge, I really liked the idea of it. Um, I didn't like the, the execution of it as much. Um, Ben kind of alluded to it. They didn't have a whole lot of prep time to get that promotional push, um, that I think we were all kind of really hoping for as far as in stadium experience. Um, I, I was very ex excited to hear Ben talk about they're going to do more planning and kind of get more of a push, uh, for next season, um, for that challenge. Um, Maybe some kind of downsides. Um, there was a little bit of glitches this year that I didn't remember in years past. We kind of joked about Yoshi Otun, but I mean, you had a midfielder who should have been a midfielder who's, you know, registered as a defender, uh, which kind of, I mean, it didn't make a huge impact because Orlando was terrible, but it did make <laughs> some impacts towards uh, a few weeks uh, down the line. But I mean, everyone is on the same page. And one of the good things about unlimited transfers was everyone could realize like, wait a minute, this guy's totally mislabeled and throw him on their team. Um, yeah. And then there was also the bug with the opening weekend challenge with the, you know, originally it wasn't supposed to affect head to head. And then, um, you know, ended up again affecting head to head, and there was uh, little things like that um, that that happened throughout the year that that hopefully uh, we won't have repeats of it. But overall, I mean, I, I had a lot of fun this year. I did better than I did last year. Uh, I, you know, it enhanced my viewing experience of the league. Um, so yeah, I mean, all the suggestions and comments that I have, you know, in the rest of the podcast is more about tweaking and improving. It's, you know, I, I think it's. I think the game is in good shape. We just got to get it to more people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Mike, about uh, the opening weekend challenge. I 
I think Ben said it really well that it it did accomplish what they were hoping for on on some level. It it got some more buzz going. It got more signups. I mean, I was really happy to hear that he said that uh, our number of users were up, albeit slightly, but we did get more users. So I know people had looked at that very closely at the beginning of the season and were trying to track it. And some people thought that we were down users. So it's great to hear that some of these new tweaks did help with that. Um, but uh, Mike, no, you, you nailed it. I, I liked the idea of it. The execution lacked a little bit, but uh, and I hope he keeps it because it sounded like they were on the fence mm. with it as well as they analyze it. But I think it was a great uh, tool at the beginning of the season and a little bit more playing. Now, I, I kind of had the feeling that this was like a couple weeks before the season started. Someone was like, hey, what if we did this? They were like, oh, do we uh, maybe can <laughs> we uh, let's see what happens. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, going into it thinking, yes, let's do this, um, it would work really well. Definitely need to make sure it doesn't hit the head-to-head team. So because that, for me, was my favorite part of the 2017 season, was getting more into the head-to-head side. And for those people, I like unlimited transfers. I think I've talked about that enough already. My advice would be if you don't like it because of how it works with the overall get a group of guys, get a head-to-head team, and do it how you want. I, I think the head-to-head system kind of lends itself to helping people who want to homebrew. I know Blaine has some experience with that on, on Facebook with their groups, but if you if you like to not have to do a lot of work and want to use the MLS system, make a head-to-head league and say, you only get two transfers per round, go. Make a head-to-head league and say, we're going to do our own little draft, and so everyone can only own the players one at a time and, and manage it that way. Make a head-to-head league and do a ghost ship team where you just draft your team at the beginning and let it go and see who wins. Uh, I, I think using that in head-to-head um, really can give you some variety in how you want to experience the game. Uh, I agree with Mike. I love, and all the other guys, I love the the clean sheet bump. I thought it did help defenders. Um and I, I liked going back to the 100 million budget with the 15 man roster. I felt like 18 just was useless. Uh, there was too many people, too much money was sunk into the bench just having garbage players that you were never going to use anyway. So I, I feel like that 100 million budget with the 15 man roster is a great balance. But I agree with you, Mike, about the budget it did inflate. Uh, inflated a lot. I hit. I got over 120 million by the end of the season. It's fun to get the players that you know, um, but I did also have fun finding those jewels of players to bring in every now and then to to get that extra little point burst that you have to do when you're trying to fit your budget. And um, I think there's some some tweaks that that we could have to really make that work. Uh, before we get on to those improvements and those tweaks. Couple more questions, uh, maybe three. Two of them are from Reddit. This one relates back to defenders. Uh, it comes from supporting Kansas City. He says changes were made to make defenders more viable, yet everyone still stacked attackers. Are do we think more changes will come to defenders? I disagreed, sort of at first with with his statement because I felt like defenders got a lot of love and it it really worked for them and helped them out a lot. So I went back and looked at the dream teams for all of 2017 and the the two most common formations in the dream team were a 352 which happened 9 times 
and a 5-3-2, which happened five times, so nine and five. Uh, if you go back and look at all the games with all the formations that there were, uh, for games with four defenders or more in the Dream Team, you had 20. Games that had four midfielders or more, so four or five midfielders, you had 22. Now, on the other side, uh, Dream Teams that had only three defenders was 13, and only three midfielders was eight. So from looking at that, I thought things were pretty balanced, that defenders were getting getting some good love. And then supporting Kansas City said, or no, it wasn't supporting Kansas City, it was Bit Nomad said, yeah, we'll go look at the teams that did the best each round, so the top scoring team. I've got those numbers now. The other ones are posted over at Reddit. So here you guys go. You can get this. Um, the formation that won – that was chosen the most that got the most points in overall round was a three, four, three with 12 times after that, a four, four, two at seven times, a three, five, two at six times and a four, three, three at five times. So I feel like there's still some good balance there, but definitely that, that more offensive formation did do better. Um, you had a, a team with at least four midfielders in it, 26 of the 33 rounds this season. So um, I don't know if that really makes me think that defender change didn't help. I think it says that defenders were valuable, and but they oftentimes got overlooked. What about you all? I think that defenders are, are were actually much more balanced this season than they have been in the past. I think where the trouble lies, and you know, this is more of kind of a continuing beef of mine with the league, and we briefly touched about it, touched on it with uh, Yotun before, but the fact that players can be mislabeled kind of guarantees that they will either have a much higher chance of being ex- included in your roster, such as a Jimmy Madranda, who was a you know a midfielder or even a forward that was listed as a defender, and conversely, who had Graham Zuzi in their lineups? You know, he's on the back line. Never. And he's classified as a midfielder, so he doesn't get the defender, bo- uh, the extra defender points that you know you'd get for a clean sheet or for scoring a goal or getting us, you know, what have you. Like, if if it was like you know fantasy baseball, where after a certain number of games at a position, you now qualify for this position, and maybe they were able to you know even multi give people multiple positions, then you know that might thing make things a little bit easier. I don't know how realistic that is for soccer, but that. That is something that I think um, you know can be worked out next season. Uh, that's a, no, that's a great point. I think um, we well, you know uh, anybody else. What do you guys want to react to that? I think it's also you know generally when you're looking at the formations and, and the way you read it out is when you're considering you're considering between midfielders and defenders, and, and I think the the problem for defenders as far as who actually gets picked is defenders are very much more of um, a risky proposition because they're not getting a whole lot of bonus points. We didn't see a whole lot of uh, defenders this year who are just, you know, racking up tons of bonus points. I think that tends to be just kind of the way, you know, the, the league was. Um, I don't know if there was a fantasy problem as much. I mean, maybe you could look into getting some more bonus points. But in the end, they weren't getting a whole lot, whereas most of your midfielders, you could feel pretty good about putting in a midfielder and, and getting six points, whereas a defender, you know, they could get more than six points if they got that clean sheet, but they had to hit that clean sheet. Otherwise, they would give you a three or four. And so I think, you know, with MLS, 
with so many points going towards the midfielders and them being so consistent, I think it was just hard for a lot of people to say, you know what, I want to go for defenders this, this week, especially because, I mean, there was only a few teams where you felt really confident about going, yeah, that's a clean sheet this week. You know, most of the time we're like, yeah, that that's a probably clean sheet, but unless it was sporting Kansas City, there wasn't as many of those teams as we've had in years past where like Colorado Rapids, you know, hit me Hoyberry right now, you know. Um, Old school Houston. Old school Houston. Um, you know, the, I mean, there was a time, I don't know if y'all remember this, like two years ago, the LA Galaxy played defense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had I, a you know, keeper. Well, it was crazy. Another change that, that impacted the bonus points with defenders, which I, I think we might have forgotten about, is um, CBIs were split. So you used to be you had those clearances, blocks, interceptions, got six of them, you got a bonus point. Now they're each a separate stat with their each point generating ability themselves. And and I think that's hurt their bonus point potential. So the clearances are still the bread and butter, at least with the big center backs, but not having those extra few points that interceptions or recoveries would bring in. I uh, recoveries are always separate interceptions um, or blocks would bring in. I think that hurts some of the the potential for bonus points that defenders had. So if if you think that defenders need more points, which I agree with you, Tim, I, I think they're balanced pretty well. That's something I think you could bring back, combine that stat together. Um, Alex, you got seventh overall. How tempted were you by a defender or midfielder heavy, heavy team throughout the year? So I'd say I probably played a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3 every single week this whole year. But I don't think that changes how I feel about the defender switch in, in terms of the, the clean sheet. Because while maybe I kept the same number of defenders, three, uh, I think I was way more willing to spend up at defender. Um, the Oparas, the Joven Jones, the LGPs, I wouldn't have had them in my team last year because they just weren't scoring at the same level as uh, a midfielder or a forward. And... While I'm keeping the same three four three five two, um, I might have had a, a budget midfielder in there. Um, in this year, where in prior years I would just go all out on midfielders and forwards, and uh, just have the three cheapest defenders I could. I didn't do that this year. I had a lot of Opara, had a lot of LGP, I had a lot of Jovan Jones. I definitely didn't have that the year before. And that's a great point. Is the the price structure gave you the ability to get the more expensive defenders, which we didn't mention earlier. That was a change that we had this year. Uh, there was a price adjustment to a lot of the players, and defenders were pretty much capped out around that six million mark, uh, which I think made them much more attainable even earlier on in the season. So, yeah, great point there. Great and point and that there. is something. If if you did increase the bonus points for defenders and cap the price cap then you might move into a scenario where you really almost had to have four defenders a week. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you have to keep in mind the other changes that happened as well. So, it's all, oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to say one last point I wanted to make is it's always difficult because defenders are also a little bit dependent on how the opposing teams are set up schematically. Like if true. there's a team that's just on the wings the entire game and just ripping crosses in, you're going to get a lot of uh, clearances from the center backs, but you're also, you know, if nobody's coming through the middle, it's, you're not really going to get a whole lot of interceptions. So it's 
it's kind of tricky. It, they're a little bit dependent on what the other team is doing too, whereas midfielders don't really have that problem, especially on the attacking end where, you know, they still have the system that they operate in. That's going to be relatively similar to kind of how they approach every team each week. Yeah, and that's part of the analyzing each game and the matchups. There you go. Each round. Uh, uh, but, yeah, so point production, probably pretty pretty good where they are. Um, but back to your original question, Tim, uh, I, I think there would be some some room. Um, you know, I've gone blank at what your original question was. We've talked and gone on so many tangents. <laughs> your point. What was it? Dude, I don't even remember. You don't remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> lost of, where, of where you were coming from, Tim. But uh, point production is, is probably okay. Don't know if we need to really make some drastic overhauls to the defense right there. So supporting Kansas City, um, we think they're they're viable. Uh, but, uh, yeah, going with those attackers still seem to be the way that people were leaning this season as well. Uh, next question came from Bitnomad, and Mike, I think you're the best one to really talk about this. It was about injuries, and he felt that there was a lack of transparency for the season and from the league about injuries with the fantasy game. I don't know if that's a question or, an, or a solution that fantasy can do anything about, um, but but you led your, at times, one-man Two man with Phil Crusade to, <laughs> to help spread that news. So, how do you see? Let's just make it broad. How do you see injuries and getting that word out and the flags in the in the game affecting fantasy and changing in the future? Um, well, as far as the flags in the game, um, I, I think it's can be difficult for the game because they're only relying on official, you know, reports, um, and. You know, those official reports are not mandated in MLS. Now, whether or not that changes in the offseason, I don't know. I mean, the whole transparency about releasing trade information kind of came out of nowhere last year. Maybe MLS looks and says, you know what? We've had a lot of success in getting people talking about trades, which I think has been such a great talking point and really helped drive coverage in the league. I would love to see them do it for injuries. Um, but without that... Um, you know, it can be hard for even just the people at MLS Digital who are, let's face it, a little understaffed to keep up with the official um, injuries. And then, I mean, not only just injuries, I mean, when, when we talk about injuries, we're not just saying, like, the coach said this. The MLS does a pretty decent job of getting, if the coach says he's out, they'll mark it in the flag, at least within a reasonable amount of time. It's, hey, this guy sort of limped off um, at halftime or, um, you know, hey, we think he's going to get a call-up. Those things are not organized enough by the league. If the league mandated, hey, this guy showed up in training, this guy was out in training, this guy was questionable, um, then you would have much more transparency. But right now, the league doesn't find that as a priority. It doesn't kind of fund the resources behind reporting it at the, at the MLS site, period, much less, you know, for the fantasy game. Uh, you mentioned me and Phil. I mean, there was a time last year where we, you know, we pointed out to, to one of the MLS did digital editors, Ariel Castillo. Look, this guy's an international duty. This guy's declared out. I think it was um, one of the Galaxy keepers. Um, you know, and there was just a, a lot wrong. But it's not because I, I think MLS Digital is understaffed, and they're because they're not they're having to get the information like by themselves. It's not an organized conduit. So for for 
for me, if you're asking about like injury transparency, marks in the game, that that being better, that has to come from MLS itself thinking that this is an important source of information for our fans in general, and we're going to mandate reporting because otherwise it's basically just me and you know the folks at MLS Digital trying to uh, cobble together the various reports to figure out who's a, a threat, who's a question. You know, and I mean, it's a problem even in the EPL if you try to look at those percentages like, oh, he's got a knock, 75% of, chance of playing. Those are almost always wrong. You have, But in for, for the Premier League fantasy game, you can actually rely on managers to at least give you, he didn't train this week, he's got a knock, he's, you know, day-to-day, we'll see tomorrow or something like that. You have a little bit more better information. Whereas here at MLS, they are much more in control of the flow of information. And so if a coach doesn't want to give you correct information, <clears throat> LA Galaxy coaches, they're not going to give it to you. Um, so my hope is that the league looks at what happened with trades and says, we want to do more of this and we can bring this to injuries. But that came out of the blue last year. It'll probably come out of the blue for fantasy. Uh, I hope it happens. But other than that, we're not going to have anything different. And that's, to me, another reason why unlimited transfers helps because if, if the league isn't going to do that, at least we have something to be able to uh, address it and not be as um, concerned about vague injury reports. Anybody else want to add anything to that? Mike's the expert. Um, you know, if the league isn't really going to mandate something, then I think somebody has to come up with some sort of machine learning solution here where it could just go through Twitter and, and all the websites and figure it out for us because it's a lot to, you know, ask of MLS Digital or, you know, oh, yeah. MLS, at MLS Injury News. Or, well, and, or and, it's, and it's, it's people even showing up to practice. I mean, a, a lot of teams like, for instance, New York City, there's one guy who I can trust to go to show up to training at least once a week, and he, he's, he's retiring this week. So... Um, and that's the case for a lot of teams around the league, even big teams like the Seattle Sounders, the Portland Timbers. Like, there's one person who routinely goes to training and can give you that kind of information. Sometimes they only go to one because there's only one open practice, and they're not going to go to training unless they can get quotes from the coaches and players afterwards. So it's not like NFL where reporters, you know, are camped out on the sideline of their training facilities. You know, so that coverage has to come from MLS itself. Just even the b- basic information for it to show up on Twitter, you know, much less, you know, than trying to scramble it in Twitter. I mean, that's why we try to start like, hey, did you see a guy that kind of get hobbled off, you know, at, during a game? Because sometimes that's the best source of information. Like if you see him hobbling, like if you see it with your own eyes and you don't have to trust the the um, inaccurate, uh, this is the nicest way I can put it, uh, information put out by the coaches. You know, that that's what you have to rely on. But, I mean, it's frustrating to me. That's why I do what I do with injury news, trying to make it better. So, hopefully, the league will um, make it much better next yeah. year. Yeah, it's better than me. Just like, oh, there's such a question in Hoboken limping around. All right, looks like he's questionable <laughs> next week. Though, no, that was that was some of the best injury news that we had all year, I think. <laughs> it was awesome. Fun. It was such an awkward <laughs> moment. <laughs> you know, something I think could, could be fun to maybe – maybe not fun, but could be useful – that that could be a nice bit of help is maybe a chart on the site, uh, the fantasy site, or or on the the injury page, that just sort of gives an average 
of how long an injury is out. Um, so, I mean, I know we kind of know some of those things like, oh, it's it's a hamstring injury. Well, that's probably going to be three to six weeks, just depending on how severe it is. Or, oh, he's got a concussion. Well, that's going to be – you should be t- pulling him out of the game right now and not waiting to find out after the game. But um, that's a different rant. Um, but, you know, if we had something like that, maybe that could help just to kind of give people an idea what to expect. But you always have those outliers like Adi who just – disappeared due to his injury so um yeah and and the the tough thing about that read because i have considered that and i I will probably be kind of trying to track more of that data next season um but part of the problem here there is that teams mislead you about what the actual injury is initially and then you you get a few weeks later and you're like wait a minute where's adi where's chano where are these guys and you know they kind of do the vague, oh, well, it, you know, there was re-aggravated, and then you end up learning, no, it was actually a lot more severe than, than was let on. Um, so so part of that, too, is the misinformation or inaccurate information because teams aren't held accountable for the way they report specific injuries. So it can be even hard. That's why I said, like, sometimes, like, looking with your own feet, you know, excuse me, not with your own feet, uh, with your own two eyes is the best thing because if you see and he pulls up, you're like, okay, that looks like a hamstring. That's something, you know, I can kind of write down and think, okay, he's probably gone uh, three or four weeks. All right. Uh, that's all that we have for our reactions. If if you're disagreeing with things that we say or, or don't like this at all, uh, be sure to head over to r slash fantasy MLS or hit us up on Twitter and share your reactions. I, I know at least with the unlimited transfers, it, it really seems – 50 50 uh, as far as people go i've seen a lot of people in a thread just go back and forth about liking it not liking it so i just encourage you all if there's some things that you disagree with us that you liked please keep playing uh, the more interest we have the the more fans that we get it's just going to get better as things go on maybe even including the injuries but now guys i want to know what you think can be done to uh to help make things better uh so let's just do the same order again alex start with you you're a top 10 player back to back can the game get any more better any more better that's that's not going to work at all can the game get any better for you um i mean there's definitely improvements i'll I'll let uh mike talk about some of his and i think uh maybe tim had some others i think the game's gotten better i mean i've only played for two years so i don't remember what it was like back in the uh the old days of fantasy MLS seems like uh, there's some weird stuff with uh, vice captains and weird switcheroos and uh, what was it the vice caparoo, Mike Reed? Is it was that a thing? Uh, the the caparoo, uh, which involved the vice captain, but um, yes, in various other ways that we broke the system back in the day. Yeah, so I mean, I think we've gotten rid of like most of those issues. Um, I think you know we'll probably talk about it in a little bit, but I, I've always enjoyed. Uh, lineups not locking or a player not locking until their game has started. Um, I think that'd be a great change. Um, obviously it would benefit people that can look at lineups earlier and can look at lineups throughout, you know, the whole weekend. Um, so, but I mean, I'd enjoy that. I don't know about everyone. Um, that'd probably be my, my one change. Um, other than that, I, I do like that idea about, you know, the, uh, the baseball, where if you play enough games in a certain position, you, you get that switch back. I think for Zussi, you know, for this year is a great example. You know, at what was he, seven, five, something like that, you're never going to start him as a midfielder. 
But as a defender, if he gets a clean sheet bonus at 7-5, and he's also pretty attacking, I might have considered him you know, in my lineup later on in the year. So I do like that idea a lot. Let's throw that out to the group. Uh, Blaine, I know you've been dealing with Lily, but do you have any thoughts about this? Yeah, so I'll, I'll jump right on the Zussi bandwagon here. Uh, <laughs> I, I crunched the numbers on it, and he would have been a top-five defender given all of Kansas City's clean sheet bonuses had he been a defender the entire season. Um, that's incredible for a defender, even at his price, at the midfielder's price. That would have still been a great pickup for him to have on any team. Um, and it's just a shame we didn't get it. And to make things worse, uh, Madranda played a ton at midfield this year. He was a forward two years ago, got switched to a defender last year, went back to midfield. He's kind of taken the all-purpose role. He can play pretty much anywhere on the field except for center back. And next year, I'm sure he's going to be switched back up to a forward or a midfielder. I think probably midfielder because that's where he got his minutes. But the talk around Kansas City is he's could be the starting left back next season. So I think there's going to be that retroactive, hey, he played midfield last year, so he's a midfielder again, and he's going to be playing preseason probably at the left-back position. So what do you do with a guy like that? So no offense, I, Blaine, I but I think the best idea for sporting Kansas City is to just give everybody a chance at forward and just see who sticks. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you, you guys have brought that up a couple times now, and, and I think it's uh, it's valid. We know with Yotun, like Mike and Tim were mentioning earlier, uh, that, that was just a, a fluke. The, the wrong button got clicked when he was loaded into it, and that's why we had an $8 million defender when most of them had been capped around around six uh and i i think it's a great idea i don't want to see people changing multiple times during the year um because like you were saying madronda he's playing at midfield he's playing at forward he drops back to defense sometimes Uh, i think that gets a little uh, confusing if people keep doing it too much but maybe um middle of the year around one of the international breaks or sometime it gets looked at and a few people could change uh for the obvious ones that jump out there that I'd be okay with something at least like that. Would that work for you all? I think just like five games at a position, kind of like baseball. Once you hit five games as a, a midfielder or five games as a defender, then you become eligible at both positions and you know, you don't have to alter the price, but you know, you can just play them wherever you want. I do. I mean, that was tempting that idea you had, I think it was you, Tim, um, about multiple positions. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't know the logistics of the or the coding behind the game, but that is interesting to me. If it was opened up a little bit more, where you could place someone around, and and maybe the the scoring is tied more to the position that they are in than the position that they're playing to to even give um, point flexibility to different people. That would be hard though, because that you could end up with a player getting different scores, uh, so the coding might be difficult. But that that is intriguing. Yeah, and I think you run into a little bit of problem there with pricing too, because if someone prices out as a defender right. initially and then you know gets midfielder eligibility, then do you adjust the price? Do you leave it as is? I think yeah, that, that is tough. Yeah, and I, I will say um, this is something we've had experience in in the show league, which is that homebrew league. Figuring out an, an objective way to determine where a position is can be very, very difficult. Um, I mean, you look at the starting lineups and then the way they play and then like how they start off playing and how they, you know, go through the game can be very, very different and hard to track as, you know, coaches kind of 
do different tactics and game states and all that. So it can be very, very difficult. And the rules and you know, in the homebrew league we've tried to do, you know, are, are almost complex to the point of you know driving you nuts. Um, you know, I, I had proposed, you know, it was one of my things to just say, look, every week your team resets to zero players. Um, and then you have to make all new transfers to transfer in. That way, if there was a player who you you know realize that they've been misidentified as a defender or a midfielder, then you could go ahead and go and make that price change or make that um, position change, and that way everyone would be on the same footing to add them back in. Um, now there's a lot of downsides as far as the casuals and people who, who miss a week because now they get a zero instead of just a low score. Um, so I, I don't know if that's something that uh, MLS would want to do with its em emphasis on casual players. But as far as addressing this specific problem, um, that's something. I mean, because, you know, if we had the dual eligibility, I mean, do they get the same score? Or do they get it different? Because since, you know, if we're going to base clean sheets on your position and say midfielders get one point and uh, defenders get five points, you know, that that could be a really difficult thing to, to code as um, – Reed said, and if you made them all uniform, you just get the same. You know, I don't even know how that would work. So, um, it is an interesting idea. It is something that could be explored more, but I don't know what the practical. And it, yeah, it makes me think a lot about D mids as well. We had mentioned before about Alonzo and and Dax, and and I, I want D mids to get more love. I want them to have a place because right now they really are that niche player when the the certain situations come around when Medunian is the one you want to get from Philly to, to make it work. But I think we have the same trouble as we can say, yeah, that guy's a D mid, but sometimes maybe he's something else uh, when he's needed. Uh, is, is that position, is that just another position we have to have? Do all of a sudden we have four positions to, with four field positions that we have to pull players in for. And so I, I think it, it can be difficult to, to figure out do we want a complicated game where it literally comes down to you get two left backs, you get three center backs, you get two D mids, you get, I mean, is, is that what we want to see the game progress to? Well, Reed, couldn't we just, you know, we'll talk about maybe multipliers later on, but couldn't we just have a multiplier for midfielder defensive bonus points? So, you know, if you had gotten four, you get, you know, multiply that by 1.25 and, you know, now you get five. You know, small increases like that where defender, you know, like defenders get more points for a goal than a midfielder. Why can't a midfielder get more def defensive bonus points than a defender for the same kind of thing? Yeah, how about a three-point clean sheet for a defensive midfielder instead of the full five, wherein a midfielder only gets one? Why not up it but by two How do you identify the defensive midfielder? Yeah, that's that's the issue with identifying. I, 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 think, I think you're on yeah. the right track, Alex. If, if you want to say something like, this stat for a, a any midfielder is going to generate at a higher amount. And we definitely will talk about multipliers because I know that's something Mike brought up that I'm very interested in. Um, because like people like Valeri aren't necessarily going to generate that as quickly as someone like um, Dax is going to. So having those be more valuable to a midfielder um, could benefit them. That I'm intrigued, definitely. And it may just be that some positions and some players should be uh, the niche players that you know here's a double game week I'm going to try to get Bradley and and uh, Godoy because I know that 
those types of players are better in this scenario, this this situation. This is the the experts know this, the hardcore players know this, and that sort of has that separation between the casual and that. I mean, maybe that's just where it needs to be. Um, but point modifiers, oh, I can't wait to talk about that. You can certainly make a case for it, though. I mean, you know, I think globally for soccer, it's a pretty well-established position, the defensive sure. midfielder. You always have somebody in front of that back line. I mean, not often do you have a situation where Tyler Adams starts as one and then moves to the wing, and then the last game of the year is the number <laughs> 10, you know. Yeah. Only once in a while, you know, once in a generation lifetime talent, you know, comes along, <laughs> that'll, that'll happen. But um, I think it's. I think there's definitely a case to be made for the D-mid position. Well, let's keep making your case, Tim, for other uh, improvements because uh, you're next. Well, I was very happy to hear Ben talk about, you know, UI changes because it really shouldn't require, you know, uh, a SQL connect or, uh, you know, SQL coding and, uh, and a connection to an FTP to get access to MLS's files to make them in a more presentable format than what you see on the website. You know, for the MLS especially, you know, you the NFL, the MLB, the stats are everywhere. You don't really get that in the MLS. So this is really the only place you're going to be able to find them. So make them at least a little more presentable for the player. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, multi-position just now. We talked uh, we talked briefly about maybe a perfect lineup prize. Uh, once, a, you know, if somebody hits it, then they get, you know, 100 grand or something like that. Who knows? That'll, that'll draw, drive some interest in the league. One other thing I was thinking about, and I think we touched on a little bit, was, um, you know, Lineups lock right, you know, five minutes before the first match. Um, in other fantasy sports, you like players lock as their teams go live, but you could still make transfers, especially if you hear some injury news coming up. So instead of going the other way and saying, all right, an hour before the first game, everything locks up, why don't we have transfers live throughout the entire game week until the last match? You just can't transfer out any transfer in or out any players whose games have already started, or maybe five minutes before they started. This way, you know you're not you're able to kind of keep track as the week goes on. And hey, if somebody's hurt, you could drop them out of your lineup. Um, maybe the formation locks though, so you don't go from a three-five-two to a four-four-two or something like that. I don't know, just you know, spitballing here, but you know, it could be interesting to go the other way in this case, as opposed to going the fantasy Premier League route. So how does that make you guys react, those of you who favor Blaine, uh, different, and Mike, different changes in, in the locking rules? Mike, do you want to go first? Um, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think I proposed something similar to Tim. Maybe I, I missed the nuance, but um, you know, I would allow transfers throughout the weekend where you can kind of make the change. Um, I, I wouldn't have a problem with the, the lineup or the use of the formation would lock, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that wouldn't bother me a whole lot. Um, I think it would be a way to kind of keep engaged. You, that way you would be further removed from having to really worry about, you know, some of these um, injuries, rotations, and, uh, and and stuff like that. Um, it would be particularly important, you know, when you have just like a single double game week game. Um, so you have a lot of players who play on the weekend. You know, if that game kicks off Wednesday, most of those press conferences don't happen until Thursday at the earliest, a lot of times on Friday. So you don't get information about injuries that you really want. So I would kind of like it more opened up. Um, and because I, I think it would kind of relieve a lot of that stress uh, as far as injuries. So 
I'm in favor of that. Um, I know, I know some people are, you know, think that we should have less information for me. MLS is so bad about information. I want all the information I can get. So <laughs> it could be yeah. opened up that that's good for me, but I know, I know Blaine has a different proposal. So, yeah, I play in a couple of draft leagues that are more homebrewed where you can make those last minute lineup changes and you can see everybody, every roster, every lineup and still make changes. Players lock when they play. I, I really do like that system, but that is a very competitive system. And we have guys that are always looking out and making last minute changes. I mean, we allow those transfers in the draft system. So you could see some rookie start one game and just go pick them up out of nowhere and hit a, hit a big game. So I can see that, but it is very competitive, very cutthroat, and it's time intensive. I've dumped hours into watching lineups and making sure I'm on at the right time to get the right players in, in the system. And for this game, I am not a fan of that. I think we're trying to grow the sport or trying to grow the game, trying to get things going. And it's not always a level playing field. I know I played in a head-to-head -head league where I've had guys come back and go, Oh, I missed my transfers. I was trying to wait till the last minute to make sure I got the players that were starting, and they missed it. And I heard that way too many times. I'm a fan of the lock an hour before the first kickoff. You don't get to see any lineups for the week. Everybody's on the level playing field. You may have to make a couple of safety picks instead of doing that, instead of taking a risky player that may or may not start. But it it balances the game. That means Monday Monday morning you wake up, you set your lineup, you're good to go. You know you're good for Friday. You may get some injury news throughout the week, but you have time to react to that. You're not having to wait for a Friday night and line up squatting, waiting for it to come out and hoping that it comes out and just to get your lineups in. And then you get the random one where they play, they get their lineup out an hour and 15 minutes ahead of time and they're the later game and you get to see an extra lineup for whatever reason, just because you were watching at the right time. So yeah, I can see the, I can see the argument on the other side, but we're trying to make this more casual friendly at times. And that's at least one of my goals right now is to grow the, grow the game and see how we can keep people involved and leveling that playing field. I think will bring in a lot of people and keep a lot more people involved because there's no last minute deadlines. They don't feel like they're getting cheated out by having a life outside of the game. Yeah. And I think the, uh, you know, having the lineups lock progressively throughout the day requires a pretty solid infrastructure too. You know, you probably want the players to have real-time notifications. Oh, this person's not in the lineup or this person is announced in the lineup. So, you know, I think there's probably needs to be some lower level changes made first before we can really implement that. But uh, no, I, I do agree with a lot of those points. Yeah, I think that for the uh, friendly to new users and new fans is is the big one there because if if you're someone who believes that, you have to be competitive by waiting for those transfers and you don't like that right now, the progressive lock just exasperates that, that you would feel you have to be ready for each team to make your transfers each time. And, and that's just a level of pressure that I don't think <laughs> is necessarily needed. I'm honestly more sympathetic to that point of view because it makes sense to me that, hey, I don't know if I want to have wando right now if i want to have somebody else and oh, let, i'll just wait oh okay there's i see that lineup i'll do this guy or if you're trying to do something with your your captain or your switcheroo and something he doesn't start you can still switch it out i, I get that um so i'm sympathetic to it but at the same time i feel like most of this year i set my team well before an hour before everything locked and even being there at the time 
when rosters were coming out, I didn't feel the need to change anything. So I don't know. I think Lily agrees with you. <laughs> I think Lily agrees with me. No, I go. think I think Lily was sad because y'all want to you depress the amount of information that we get. You know, so just, you know. I like I, how it Lily is. Happy. I'm gonna make. I like Lily how happy. it is. <laughs> Mike's an open source guy. Oh, open source. <laughs> let let all the information flow. Um, uh, so so the the response I have to that is I mean I think what Reed said is is my experience as well. I didn't feel as pressured to go to you know that hour. I would pretty much just kind of double check the lineups, make sure nothing wonky happened. And, and you know, I could leave because I'd already set my lineups. It's not like where we had years past where you had to make lineups. You know, if you want to make your lineups on Monday kind of through the day, you don't have to have it there. Um, so it's not, but if you, I won the one, one point I did want to make, if you have a switcheroo, you're still going to have that. I can need to check the lineups throughout the time because you've got to check the lineup for the guy coming, you know, the first guy, you've got to check his results. And then you've got to check the lineup to make sure that the second guy is actually in the starting lineup to make sure that you want to sub him in. Um, now I have some issues with the switcheroo, you know, generally, but I mean, I think it's still there. Uh, but the other point I want to make is, I think you could still play this casually with an unlimited transfer system without that kind of oppression. You can still play it, you know, early in the week, kind of go through and not have to keep up with the lineups because it's not going to change anything. All it's going to do is encourage the people who are invested, who want to get more involved in the game to be able to have better information to order to make better decisions. Um, so, well, I, I don't think it makes a difference to casual players because their experience isn't going to change. The experience for the more invested players is going to change. It's going to change for the positive. So that's why I think a more progressive system. Now, to 10 points of infrastructure, if you could get notifications on an app that say, hey, you have X on your lineup, this person is you being dropped by a whole lot of people or is listed as out or is not in the starting 11, I mean, that could be a huge help. That way people aren't having to sit and watch the lineups and say, oh, crap, I have a notification on my phone. Let me go ahead and make a quick change. That's the way it is in the NFL. The NFL fantasy game is doing pretty okay. So that might be something to consider too. But I must say, Tim, I, I do agree what you say about some of the the navigation of the stat, stat screens. It, it can be kind of hard to get all the stats on the screen that you want to at a time, especially if you're on the phone. But if, if nothing else changed, and I can only have one thing change with the stats, give me a bonus point column. Seriously. Please give me a bonus point column. That's all I'm asking. Or maybe a collapsible like bonus points, like you check in and it breaks out exactly what made us. Something. I mean, it, it would be great at the end of the year to say, who's the best <laughs> bonus point producer? And just have a column that says, Opara generated this many bonus points throughout yeah. the season. Like that, yep. that would be great. Uh for my well, life. As we t as we talk about this, and I know Mike brought up the other games, um, what stats do you guys want to see on a front line for every player? Because I look at some of the NFL ones and I go, well, it shows you a percentage owned, which would be huge. Their total score is another one. I know as you dig into players, you can see transfers in and out or who's picking them up, who's dropping them. You can kind of see their trend. I can see that being there. Bonus points definitely is one. But what else does everybody think? What should be on that? Uh, front line of stats if they're going to change this ui we might as well go ahead and put a list together for them to look at yeah that's great um xg is that something we're going to want or a projected score um 
I mean, if their projected score was better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that could be a very useful tool. I know I use it in, you know, the, the NFL game because it seems to be a little bit more dependable. Um, but the, the fantasy game, that, that's been kind of a stat. We haven't talked about that a whole lot, mostly because none of us here use it, I don't think. Hey, uh, I actually Alex, use it a little bit. What, what, what is, does Alex use it? You know, he, he's the one who actually did, does do well in this game. <laughs> uh, expected goals? No, the um, expected points total on the fantasy website. Oh, oh absolutely, no, let's, absolutely let's, not. What, what <laughs> do you find most useless, Alex? I said useless. Uh, what stats do you find most useful? We could say useless too, I guess. Uh, expected goals. Um, I think you guys also put up the uh, the ELO like percentages for uh, for winning for a game. I think those are useful just to see which teams are you know super favorites because you know they're most likely to either a score a ton of goals depending on the team or or b uh, keep a clean sheet. Um, so I like using those, and then. Um, I mean, the stat that I don't have that would be helpful is like kind of if you ever see on like ESPN for fantasy football or DraftKings, average points allowed to that position by an opponent. So it's like, all right, you know, LA has been horrible, uh, you know, on defense this year. They're 29th against, or they're 21st against forwards, or, you know, they're 19th against defenders. That would be a really great stat to have. Sort of like open field versus set piece giveaways, things like that, maybe. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, mine's more just straight in terms of, like, against opposing forwards, you know, LA's 19th in, in points allowed, uh, fantasy points allowed, that kind of thing. And I'll, I'll make this suggestion with a little bit of a pour out for uh, Guy Sanchez. I, I'd love to see the information on, you know, each week, you know, the games that are coming up, what the spread is, what the lines are, what the over-under oh. is. Uh, you know, a little bit a little bit of gambling information from the bookies. You always seem to know what exactly is going to happen. wouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, Maybe in the future. I don't know if we could quite do that just yet. Officially, but um, just the information you're not you're not betting. Yeah, you know, on. I mean, just just sharing sharing with the the people. Nothing else. Hey guys, no, no, that's I think that's a great idea. Um, yeah, hit us up on Twitter or go to Reddit when this is posted. Let us know what stats you find most helpful, and that's something Ben Bear or the survey that's going to come out at some point for sure with MLS to ask about him changes. Uh, talk about fantasy. Talk about the stats you want, and and send that feedback back. That that's that's great stuff. Great question. Great question. Yes, if, they, if they legalize sports betting in New Jersey, it's going to be a real problem for me. <laughs> Just putting it out there now. Like, oh, man. going to be down in AC every weekend. <laughs> Your Patreon donations will go up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Blaine, I think it's your turn. Talk about uh, improvements. Uh, you guys have hit most of them already. Lily's got a couple. I'm sure I can hear that already. Um. She has the best over the age us. limit. Lily says, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, she wants to have her own team next year. <laughs> she can sign up for older goalers kid league." Oh, you you that now. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how he would take that if I put a one-year-old in the league. I'm sure he'd love it. But, uh, I mean, she's not whining any more than Josie Altidore did this past weekend. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's a whole lot nicer, too. <laughs> Probably do better against Trinidad as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like that, huh, Lily? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. you're better than Josie Altidore. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Yeah, no, as as far as changes go, I was really happy with the with the year. Um, not a whole lot I would like to see done. I mean, I was a fan of the 18 man roster because you could do the double switcheroo. Mm-hmm. I think it would disperse your point, uh, your your money a little bit more among your players. But that also brings the drawback of how many scrubs do you take? Yep. Um, I did like one of the tiebreakers being bench points for I think head to head games. If you ended up with the same transfers or whatever, I think bench points was one of the top tiebreakers, which would be kind of a cool tiebreaker instead of transfers next year. Just in general, it keeps track of your bench points as well and see how that goes. That might dissuade some of the switcheroo as well because you're taking that 1-0 when you send them back or you're going to have that 1-0 in your lineup every week. I can see that. That could be fun. And I just was, I think that would be a tiebreaker for this year. I think tra- I think transfer total transfers transfer was the first yeah. tiebreaker. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, that's probably why uh, I mentioned and earlier. I, went from was... six to seven. <laughs> I probably led, I probably led the league in transfers. <laughs> Uh, I'm with Mike on the reset button every week. I think you just oh, need yeah. a just to kill your team every week, especially for head-to-head, just the integrity there. I don't know how many times I saw people forget to set a lineup and win a game against somebody who was playing hard because they happened to keep a couple of the best names in there and had a lucky week where everybody they had went off, even though they hadn't changed their team in a month. And that drove me crazy. I think it should penalize you for not playing a little bit. And... I think somebody in the group talked about it in one of the emails about an autofill button where it takes your value and it kind of does the best fit pick for your team and gives you an autofill to start with. And I know we, we kind of joked about it. I used the one stat a little bit, but your expected points per game and just go with that a little bit. I think it could be cleaned up, but if you do that for your autofill, you could get something. I know it's a little bit more coding to get done on the back end. But I think that would help a lot of the new players, and then they could see, oh well, I've got a team now. Let's remove this person because I really want to grab Valeri, and he's not in this autofill, and whatnot. But then you got to worry about Lee Wynn, who didn't show up in the expected points for what the first third of the season. Yeah, you had the autofill <laughs> yeah. available at the start of the year, so um, if that could continue on, maybe you could have it look at uh, based on transfers in for that round, the top ten players at each position and it just randomly assigns to the fit whatever butt you have yeah, yeah Reed, just... oh, that you mentioned that uh that's another stat that i use kind of wisdom of the crowd transfers in for the round uh always look at that um i think it's really helpful you know mm-hmm. especially early in the week you know the crazies like us that are out there monday 9 a.m eastern 901 monday when when mike is just tweaking the market to make you bring in smith and everything yes so like you know especially early you see who the people who are in there early making changes who they like mm-hmm. i think that's a good resource yeah yeah for sure yeah, but i think i'll leave it with this one for my section i think the number one thing we can see is an actual mobile app for the game it, I mean, MLS has got the mobile app out there, but we can't do fantasy on it at all. It takes us straight to the website. We need Pre- a mobile preach. version of this. I think that's... Um, yeah, this is the one thing that could really take this game from being a casual thing to a huge thing is make it where everybody's got it in their pocket at all times. I could manipulate it on the app, but even then, I've got a pretty nice Android phone. I switched away from Windows this year, went back to Android. Me too. And... There were times where I was trying to add players and click on things, and my graphics shifted, and the buttons weren't lined up where they should have been. Oh, yeah. I had that on Apple, too. 
and it just drove me crazy. Uh, would you, is for all of you guys, would you mean or want a complete standalone fantasy app or if it was just uh, not to the website? So the current MLS app, but friendlier for fantasy. I think apps are easier to um, code, so. Uh, for multiple platforms. Multiple platforms. So as you want a standalone dedicated app. Yeah, as opposed to, you know, people having different phones with different browsers on them. Because, I mean, the EPL one's kind of an all-in-one integration thing. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've used the EPL app. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I mostly just go, I mean, it's just like one click to get into the fantasy, and it works pretty well for me. Like, I basically use that. Now, for MLS, it'd be a little bit different because that's, not just my fantasy app it would also be my mls live app unless they section that off and you know they have the deal with espn and blah blah god knows what's going to go on with that um but i mean if if they put it as part of the app that would be such a huge jump that i wouldn't complain <laughs> yeah i'd like to have it as part of the app i mean also helps drive people that don't play mls fantasy but follow mls that have the app just like oh fantasy yeah sure i'll click into that and play it um, so I think it'd be great if it could be part of the app and you know, I don't want to have to have two MLS apps if I don't have to rather just have one <laughs> that's, that's and it's true if, you, if you're going to MLS live you know, you're the kind of person who's going to want fantasy and you might see fantasy that way and be like hey you know what why don't I play this year yeah there we go alright Mike your turn I know you've got a laundry list I, I do have a laundry list, a, a number of them that, that we brought, but one thing I did not put in the laundry list, but we kind of mentioned um, a, a little bit earlier, um, was execution of promotion of the game. Um, I, I think there were a lot of opportunities with the changes in the prize structure this year to promote the game in ways that I didn't think happened. Um you, we talked about the opening weekend challenge. It wasn't that kind of insane push that we were all hoping slash expecting. Uh, I'd like to see more of that this year. But also kind of like things in the middle, like who won the round. I only know one person. The only people I know who won, you know, other than Alex um, this year is I know who won the opening weekend challenge. Um, he was a New York Red Bulls fan. And I know that um, our friend Tyler Kelly won one of the rounds. Throughout the week, like the year, I didn't know who won that. Um, we, we didn't get any information out of them. Um, and I think that's an opportunity missed, you know, to say, hey, here's this person who won. Um, you know, let's get him, let's get some picks, you know, interact with the fantasy website. Um, I think it was a big deal, especially with the All-Star game. We saw, you see so much promotion with the All-Star game. Uh, today, I mean, as someone who follows the fantasy game, is on Reddit, on Fantasy Boss, I have no idea who won that prize and i know there was all that awkwardness about the mid-season winner and stuff that we don't want to get into but i would love to at least see a picture of hey here's this guy he won from fantasy here he is at the all-star game you know maybe get him a quick five minute spot on extra time radio or something there was just so many like little things like that where it's not something you know not huge we're not asking the league to throw in thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars into the prize pool let's just use your existing social media um, presence and use it as a quick opportunity for content and promotion of the game and I, I just didn't see a lot of that you know the, the teams didn't really push it the, the way I was wanting and so so that's the, the, the thing for me is 
easy opportunities for promotion. I would like to see MLS take better advantage of that next year. I think that is going to do a lot more for the underlying numbers than, you know, the, the stuff that, that we can do because they have just so much more reach and there's just so many easy opportunities that, that I felt was missed. So that, that was, that was like my big disappointment thing I want to see next year. As far as like rule changes, um, one of the big ones I talked about uh, in the midseason one, and, and Reed, I know one that you really like, is boosting away points. Yes. Um, I have it as a 1.5 multiplier. I'm not, you know, wedded to that number. I haven't run a spreadsheet to see what that would actually look like. But I know for me on that Monday morning, you know, coffee, I would take a list, you know, look at the teams and names, and I could pretty much take a sheet of paper and cover up the right hat side because I wasn't picking any of the away players. Yep. Um, I think – if you put a 1.5 multiplier, I think you would increase the number of differentials. I think you would – I didn't think diversity was a huge problem as far as team picks this year because most people are going to pick the, the better players. But I think if, if you did that multiplier for away players, I think you'd have a lot more decisions, a lot more tougher calls. Um, and you can make some really interesting picks if you wanted to go for a weekly prize or win an interesting head-to-head or just kind of have fun with it. Uh, I think it would be a lot more opportunities – you know, when you had more players to, to pick from. Um, uh, another thing I, I, I suggested, I don't think this one is as popular with this group. I would like to see double game weeks eliminated. Um, for me, Not let's have more more game weeks. Let's have, you know, midweek games be their own. That way, uh, an entire game week isn't determined by who Peter Vermes wants to rotate um, one week. Um you know, because I think those midweek games that are kind of weird, they're wonky, you have a lot of rotation. To me, they become too much of an important part of the game uh, and detract from a lot of the enjoyment of the weekend games, really the main attraction. So I would kind of like to section them off um, and make them their own game weeks. Um, I, I think most people don't like that, but that's a personal thing that I would think that way you don't have as much um, – weirdness determined by rotation like oh gosh who's it going to rotate this time um i would like to eliminate the switcheroo i don't think manual substitutions really do anything at this point um and if we are trying to improve the casual experience and you know if we're not going to do lineups locking or transfers locking um at each particular kickoff then let's just go ahead and get rid of the switcheroo that way you don't have to worry about through the game week once you know the deadline comes it's done. It always felt a little cheap to me, um, even though I did it because, I mean, you almost kind of had to do it well, with the way this system uh, is set up. Um, it's just something I, I didn't really love doing. Um, and, and on that point, I think my main problem with Blaine is expanding it back to 18 um, people on the roster is that then we're going to have to have a whole another podcast episode trying to explain to Jason that there's no such thing as a triple switcheroo because he can argue that it's <laughs> I'm not doing that again, Blade. I'm not doing it again. again. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much the, the main things. Uh, I have some like little tinker stuff. Like I think clean, if we're price system is going to stay the same, same, I think a clean sheet should kick in at 45 minutes. Cause that's when like the price range um, comes mm-hmm. in. I'd also like to rework the red card system. So t- to me, it's really bizarre that you get punished more for a later red card than an earlier red card where it should be the opposite. I, I think that needs to be changed. You know, if you get a red card in the fifth minute, it shouldn't be worse than getting a red card in the 90th minute. Uh, but right now, because you get that price change at 60 minutes where 
you know, that way you can end up losing like um, 0.4 and instead of the 0.2 that you lose if you get an earlier before minute 45 red card. So I would like that changed um, as well. So I don't know what y'all think about that. Uh, I know y'all don't like the double game week solution, but I'm throwing it out there just to get the ideas out. Uh, anybody Mike, else want to respond to Mike? Yeah, I'll start. Um, playing in a couple of the homebrew leagues, uh, we handle the double game week situation by taking the higher of the two scores when you have that player. So you really do get two bites at the apple, but you only get one of the two scores, which kind of eliminates a lot of that need for, oh, he's going to score 10 points in both games and really blow everybody out of the water. You only get that one score, which balances it in. And I kind of like that philosophy. I don't know how you could do it in this game, but I think something along those lines where they get fewer points overall for the double game week wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, you had so many points in there to respond to, too. I'm going to let somebody else go through as I digest. I, I like the double game weeks. I, I think it's a nice, uh, unique element of the MLS fantasy game. It helps contribute to some of these massive uh, points and captains that we get. And so I... I enjoy it, and I think it's more manageable now with the unlimited transfers that that it makes it a fun part of the game. But I love so much the idea of a, a multiplier for an away player because you're right, Mike, and I, I don't think we had a problem this year as maybe we've had some in the past. Um, I think maybe you had mentioned some of this, Alex, that there was diversity in in these teams and even if you were looking at transfers in your budget still mattered and maybe you didn't quite agree with that so we did see some diversity but it was mostly if there was a cookie cutter team home it was a home team maybe every now and then go with david via or or whatever but it was a home team if you're now looking at hey um david via is at home and that's going to be some good points but Sapong's got a fairly easy game on the road, and he's going to get one and a half times points for his goals. Ah, that road game. I think that really shifts that choice away from just I want home players and want home players to looking at the game, thinking who has a better chance to score, and it puts some of the away teams back into, into uh, your thinking process. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I can count on one hand the number of away players I played this year in 33 game weeks, so... Like Mike said, you just cover up that away side. Don't start anyone there. So that's probably not the best. So it seems like a pretty good solution there. And uh, Mike, I'm actually with you. I, I like the no double game weeks. Bah. Uh, each <laughs> each set of games is its own uh, standalone week. Um, that way, you know, Kansas City's got two games. Well, I have to have four Kansas City players because they're on the double game week. Well, no, now I could have Kansas City players in their midweek game, and if I don't want to start any of them uh, you know, in their second game, then I don't have to. Do you all not worry that that could potentially get confusing for um, the number of rounds that that would then create over a year, over a season? I kind of like that they have 34 rounds to match up with the 34 34- games that teams play um i just think you know mls it's it's just an overall problem with mls scheduling is the number of games that are played midweek and and kind of the you know the haphazard midweek rounds that we've seen in the fantasy game i mean how many times did we see you know all right only four teams are playing this round or how many times did we see all right well only one team with double game weeks that just we load everybody up uh, from those two teams and 
uh, I'd like to see at least a little more uniformity with the MLS scheduling in general. And we do have to do something about the double and triple switcheroos because Jason has such an advantage over the rest of us with him. (laughs) (laughs) It's all in his head. Yeah, I mean, that would have, I just gave a quick look, uh, roughly 44 rounds is what that would have been. And I could see how that would be crazy if it's a Wednesday game and then you've got one day to make your transfers for the Friday games that may be coming up for the actual. I mean, uh, I get what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying about why that could be an appealing to help, to help change it some, but uh, I just don't like it. <laughs> Not to <laughs> well, mention, uh, l- Let me give you a, a little bit of a counter as far as the casual. First of all, you're having to keep track of the double game weeks anyway. Uh, in order to make that Wednesday deadline, and because if you, if you miss that Wednesday deadline with the way double game weeks are now, like you're screwed for that week, you know you're not gonna do anything because all the the points, big points, are going to be in the double game week players. Um, it also allows you for we see a lot with MLS, you know, extra time radio records on Thursday night. There's a big push for the weekend games. That way, on those weekend games, you can already say, hey, you um. You can make transfers. You know, here's who you pick this week. I, I know you, Reed, had a few instances when you went on uh, Jason Davis's show and he asked you about fantasy picks. You're like, well, you should have already made your transfers already. Uh, and I think having players, you know, having transfers open for before that weekend could be really good. I don't think we had a whole lot of Friday night games this year. I think most of them were on Saturday. They kind of eliminated right. that with Unamas, uh, which is good. So you had the, you know, the full two days. And, I mean, we even had that one time this year when uh, the Houston Dynamo had that rescheduled match. Um, I think it was round 31, uh, and then you only had a few days before round 32. Um, I mean, with MLS schedule, with the midweek games, th- there's no way to get around the fact that you're going to have to keep track of the midweek t- table. Um but to me, I, honestly, it would make it less important because if you miss a midweek game and the double game, the midweek game is its own game week, you're probably just missing like a few points. You know, it's just a few starters. It's not going to be as big as if, oh shoot, I now I now can't transfer anyone in for this week. So I th- I don't think it would. I think it would actually help the casual player a little bit more. Um, it's probably too radical to actually see it next year, but I, I think it does have some virtues. Sure. Um, as far so other, I know Blaine said he, he lost track of my points, which which makes sense because I just <laughs> I, it was pretty it, it, from the debate's perspective, I pretty much ran a spread on my points. Um, I did the clean I like what you said about social media too and and the promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought, the promotion I and the right. clean sheet at forty five and the red cards. I think those are the last things I said. Yeah, I, I think you have good points about um, the way some of the the just the system works, the mechanics of it with the red cards and when points change and when you're getting your, your defensive 45 minutes, 60 minutes. I think that that makes a lot of sense for when penalties are added and when bonuses are added. I, I think that's great stuff to consider. Um, uh, the PR though, I, th- I think, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities there. I think in the past, Travis had mentioned how uh, at Houston, they would announce whoever won that week in their fantasy league and they would get to go and meet a player, something like that. Just little things that don't even really cost any money. I think, players could do uh tim next time you see brad or sasha on the street just mention that to them maybe they could help you out with, with <laughs> <Sounds> that <good. laughs> you got, you're on it um 
But I mean, that's probably something, and I know you're about to talk about it. Is MLS probably needs to do a better track. Whenever you sign up, you should probably give like your Twitter handle or your email address so that there could be better communication. Right. I, I know that's going to help you for the leagues, and you're going to talk about that in a second. But that I think that would be, you know, if we could find out, you know, hey, X, you know, you know, here's Tim Shaw, ex soccer captains, and he scored the highest uh, this week. You know, I think that would be a great avenue of, of promotion. Yeah, even a little bit more exposure on Extra Time Radio, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, no, it's okay, and and I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying Extra Time Radio needs to become Fantasy Insider, but you know, uh, the the sources, like you said, Mike, that MLS already has. Um, each week, you're getting ready to wrap it up in the mailbag. Hey, what uh, what game do you think is going to be the best one for points for fantasy? Mm. Something like that. Just every Monday. Hey, don't forget fantasy. Make some trades. This game looks good. Yeah. We these teams still collecting dust. There we go. <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh, yeah, for me, yeah, like what you were alluding to, uh, you guys touched on all the all the big ones about unlimited transfers and clean sheets and, and the demons you talked about earlier. So lots of great stuff there. I have gotten way into, like I said, the head-to-head leagues, and I've got multiple leagues that I manage with, with Reddit and Fantasy Boss and Fantasy Insider and Patreon. So I would like to see some changes on – that management side. I'd love for there to be the ability to send a message to your league or at least have like a, a lounge or whenever you first join, have a, a banner message that says, hey, if you want to, we, we give prizes. If you want to win a prize, you must register here or at least give me the ability as a league manager to contact a participant and mike you could probably know more so maybe there's some liability or issues or harassment potentials with things like that um but if i had the ability to say hey you want a prize send me your information that that would be great on my end as far as management of a league and maybe it's only available for those more personal leagues that if it's a a big massive one that has 700 people in it then you, you lose that ability but um some more ways to interact with people who are in head-to-head leagues or even some of those big, massive overall leagues, I think would be great. I liked what you guys were talking about with the stats that people should see maybe on a player card. Um, A few years ago, I think maybe even back as far as 2013 and 14, it may have still been there, but you would have had to type it in manually. There was like a dashboard sort of heads-up display for fantasy. Like you could click on there, it showed you – the top five highest scoring players, the the most captain player, the five best head-to-head leagues, the five best overall players. And it just had this little quick little dashboard that you could just look and get a quick snapshot of what happened in fantasy that week or the current standings right there. Because um, I remember being like, I want my league to be in the top five. And it took like average scores of everyone in your league. And that's how it ranked the leagues. I think something like that would be fun at least maybe showing the most captained or some of the top transfers in players on a front dashboard, I think could be easy and fun for people to see along there. More publicity again, Mike, I have that on my list. Uh, if, if we can get some of the sponsors in there too, to, to shout out for them. Um, but I know that's again, that chicken and the egg kind of thing. Uh, and if there's any way to get the teams to do stuff like Houston may have have done, or even if that's the the fantasy Twitter or people giving a shout out saying, um, 
highest scoring player for at Sporting Kansas City this week is put the player there. Maybe it gets some retweets. Maybe it gets just some likes and looks. Check out more at MLSFantasy.com, whatever, uh, and go from there. I think that could go away to engage fans, encourage participation, um, and and get your supporters groups in, involved. Go go for that and just get it all going. But that's. Do you all think there's a need for some of those ways to contact people? Not quite Not yet. Quite. I think that's <laughs> just me. I'm. It's, Maybe get it's a little bit and, bigger. And first. the guys who run the the R slash MLS league, we're the only ones. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, but Reed, I mean, it, you opt into a league, you're kind of opting into receiving communication, no? So I, I'd be happy to yeah. get an email from the commissioner, the head of my league. You know, I joined the league. I want to be in it. I'm happy to receive uh, an email. Yeah, and I mean, I think you want to make sure that you have an incentive for people to set up leagues. And in order to incentivize that, they need to at least contact. Now, I, I would have no problem with MLS saying you can't use this as spam, you know, because we don't want people signing up for a league and then finding out that they ended up uh, on a, you know, secret way, uh, mailing list and all of a sudden, oh, right. information, you know, or even like a contact information, you know, through the app or something. Um, but I mean, if you could at least get notifications from, you know, your league manager, I, I think that would be like, easy you know like at least they say hey you want a prize dm me you know <laughs> right well that's <laughs> why like in my head i was thinking you'd have like the league message and so i update it and people get an email that says hey for the uh, mls fantasy insider league there's a new message check it out that kind of thing or you wouldn't get people's email addresses i see how that's bad but if i at least had a button where it said mike that tiger email click and it popped up with some generic form where I could say, hey, congrats, you won the prize this month. Send me your DM on Twitter and I'll get you your scarf. That's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially for private leagues. Uh, public leagues don't need a chat system at all. The team sure. leagues probably don't. Mm -hmm. But if you're creating your own private league, you usually know who's going to be signing up. It would be nice to talk to a lot of those people or be able to send something out. And the other thing I've noticed is they're all tied to our MLS accounts, and we can go comment on any or any article they put out there. So they've got our name, but you never see who's responded to you or anything like that. I mean, they don't have a chat system between anything or notification system between anything on the website. It wouldn't be too hard just to implement that like every other website we're on does. Or when somebody responds to your post, you get a you get a message or you get your app blows up and says, hey, somebody responded to you. It would be just as easy to tie that into the account. And it would all be in app. So you never have to use a Twitter handle. You never have to use Facebook or anything else. You just you send it to them. It's all within the app. And it's just it's all right there. And then MLS has the has the rights and the capability to go through and monitor anything that might be said. So if it does get offensive, if somebody is harassing you, you just flag it. MLS comes in. Oh, nope, that account shut down. And you're done. <laughs> there it goes. Right there, right there. So yeah, those are some of the few extra little tidbits that I thought of. Otherwise, you guys had some great ideas. Uh, well, some of you, Mike, you've got some weird ones, but uh, <laughs> um, that is the story hey, of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I finally digested the one you had said. If you do an eighteen-man roster again, you can triple switcheroo. Yes, you have six quad switch. <laughs> Jason even more reason to say no. Yes. Even more reason to say no. But you can tri you can legitimately triple switcheroo. Quintuple switcheroo. Oh my god, don't even <laughs> Jason would try it. 
So his head just exploded. So somewhere Jason's ears are prickling and he's thinking, oh, Yes, but you, you, you see, actually, I would disagree because I, I'm, I'm thinking, and I, I guess I'd have to sit down and do it. But in essence, you'd have to choose between three players and another set of three players, right? Because once yeah. you switch it to manual. So really, it's just one big switcheroo with six players. So it's still not a triple switcheroo. This sounds because like a good topic. Jason's oh, God. Is that you could do three different switcheroos. That's not possible. All right, listeners, and buckle up. Two more hours coming at you. Uh, no, no, no. We are going to get you. Up right now, guys. No, we're going to get a podcast to last the listeners until February. No. Uh, quick shout out to uh, Mr. Fremel PDX and Off Constantly, who sent some questions from Reddit that we already covered during our conversation about uh, the number of participants and the roster locking i think we've covered all of those so thanks for your questions glad we were able to cover them final comments guys anything you haven't you haven't been able to say about things you love things you want to see changed or just any any hopes you have for 2018 blaine yeah I, i've come at this from a casual standpoint for for this last year um let us know what what can be done let let Ben Bear know. I mean, tweet at him, tweet at MLS Fantasy. Let him know what, what can be done just to make the game more accessible and keep you involved throughout the season. I think one of the biggest problems we've had over the past few seasons is we're always between that twenty five and 30,000 player number, but the averages are much, much lower than that. There's a lot of dead accounts in there. How do we keep that twenty to 30,000 players that we get involved throughout the entire season? because I've had a blast with it. I love the community. I mean, I had so much support with my daughter being born 10 weeks early this year, had guys to talk to. I was podcasting the week after she was born. I mean, it was just great. I love this community, but how do we keep everybody involved in this? Cause it is a, it is a fun thing and it's been an outlet for me this year. And I just want to be able to extend that to everybody else too. So that's my big thought is how do we keep the casuals involved? That's what standpoint I'm coming from. And so let us know what we can do to help with that. Tim. Yeah, um, not really so much, uh, you know, a comment about the game itself, but about the community. Um, you know, Blaine, like Blaine said, we do have a pretty special community of people that are very, very welcoming and very friendly. So, you know, maybe if everybody who's listening to this, you know, tries to convince one friend to sign up next season and stick with it, and, you know, that'll just help the community grow. Alex? Yeah, I know. I think we mentioned it, but I think you got to get, uh, the fantasy thing onto the app, just get the game on there. Um, and also user interface, especially on mobile. I think we've, a lot of us have had the issue, I've heard of it, where, you know, if you try and make more than like four or five transfers at one time on, you know, on the mobile, you know, site, that it, it gives you an error and you can only do like three or four at a time. But on desktop, you can do the whole 15. Just kind of issues like that. Um, if we just clear it up and make it easier, because I know, um, like you mentioned, getting people to play, um, you know, I have season tickets to NYC with my dad, my uncle, and my cousin, and you know, I got them all to play. And you know, a lot of times right before the game, you know, they try and make their transfers on their phone, and then they try and make you know 15 with the new transfers, and then they get frustrated, and then oh, I don't want to do this. So just like fixing it, making it easier for people like that to just be able to play and make easy changes, I think that is the key to keeping people engaged. Mike. Uh, nothing more other than, you know, um, I'm just so glad for this community. Um, I, I have a lot of fun interacting with everybody, um, and, and doing the podcast. So I'll just kind of leave my end as, uh, thank y'all for another fun year. Uh, and I'm looking forward to whatever comes next year. 
And I couldn't agree more with what Mike just said. Thank you so much, guys, for the support that you've given the various projects that we are all involved. We're so happy that what we do is able to help you who listen. Um, the support that we get from MLS with just Ben Bear being able to, to talk to and help us out with these sorts of things is fantastic and I think shows uh, a commitment and an interest from them to want to make this game better. And so the feedback that you have and you give through us, through surveys, through Twitter, uh, is listened to. And and so just keep it constructive. Just give it when you have good ideas and, and people see it, people listen. We're trying to make this better. Uh, thank you so much for continuing on this journey with us. We hope to see you in 2018. Good luck.